This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right. Away back. Goal. Go hey! It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, good afternoon from San Diego, California, where it is the baseball winter meetings. And we are back once again, and I can't tell you how happy I am to be back and to cover this meetings for you because stuff is just, you know, worried about whether we were going to have some news. I mean, there was like, you know, when you thought about last night, you're saying, okay, wait a minute. If DeGrom's done, the shortstops aren't going to sign. Judge, nothing's going to happen with Judge till Christmas. You're thinking to yourself, what the heck's going to happen? Well, I can tell you, news has been flying. It's been flying fast here in San Diego. We got a jam-packed show for you today. Ladies and gentlemen, you saw him last night in a suit. And how shocked were you at number six? Yeah, just the way everything kind of broke down. It was like um, once the Twins came out from 14, then they announced that they were one through six, you knew from uh, one, two, or three, somebody was going to get pushed down. And then they had like a little inter- recess after seven, and I was just hoping that um, our, our name wasn't called. I uh, had a big smile on my face, and, and sure enough, after I heard that first syllable, uh, I got deflated. I mean, I, I was downstairs in the lobby afterwards. I, I think I had the, the Jordan crying meme or Jordan crying meme after uh, falling to six. Oh, man. I mean, it's just uh, – it is what it is. I mean, it's, 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 it's just, you know, you want to get number one. You've had a bad year. You've lost 102 games, and you're hoping for that pick, and it's just – you know, it is what it is. Yeah, honestly, it is what it is. I mean, I, I like that things were collectively bargained um, just the way – it's been going down the last uh, decade or so. I, I like the aspect that we're all trying to win. We're all trying to be competitive. And so the result of that, if we're going to have a draft lottery, it's going to create more exposure in the game, excitement. Even though the ball didn't bounce our way, it was still, you know, there's a little bit of a buzz in the lobby, not, not, not the um, metropolitan buzz, but it was still kind of cool just to um, – see the dominoes fall last night. I was hoping we were talking about, uh, you remember when we were kids, Patrick Ewing, 
coming out of Georgetown, and the the, the whole conspiracy was when, when the executive for the Knicks was able to go through all the envelopes. He searched for the frozen one, and that was the one that would pull out, say, Knicks and Patrick Young. I was hoping there would be some ping pong balls or something involved where you got to go on stage. Yeah, I definitely was hoping. I mean, no pun intended that wasn't going to be Sam Bowie, but, <laughs> I mean, you go back to the next draft, I mean, hopefully it's that point where, you know, you got Hakeem Olajuwon. People forget Hakeem actually went one in that draft, and then um, Bowie went two. And then Michael Jordan went three, and it was a star-studded draft. Think uh, uh, Sir Charles, Charles Barkley's in that draft. And if you go through the list, there's like a bunch of Hall of Famers. So, you know, maybe we have that fortune this year in 2023. Six is still pretty high. And as you mentioned, you know, <coughs> if you end up with Charles Barkley, you're pretty good, right? I mean, so there's still uh, there's still a lot of value. We, we know as you get late, even the draft is so unpredictable. If you look at the numbers long-term, like – all these years you go through to, through the draft, it's so hard to predict. But you do know in, like, in the top ten you can get a really good player. No, you're definitely going to get a good player. I mean, I think I saw recently actually that, um, you know, first overall pick for, for various reasons, but uh, Chipper Jones and um, Ken Griffey Jr., they might be one of only the two for one one overalls that went to the Hall of Fame. I mean, Hall of Fame is obviously very difficult, but that just tells you that in the top ten, you're going to have a strong opportunity. But just the way the draft goes down, it's kind of a sliding scale with the capital and what you get for an overall pool standpoint. So having a higher number is pretty valuable just from the capital aspect. You know, you know, looking at what we have coming up. I know you get excited about a lot of our players. I mean, we had Clark and Butler, who were two athletes that uh, everybody's raving about from the Arizona Fall League. Uh, Soderstrom is is an elite bat. He is a kid that, I mean, he's a prodigy. We remember his dad, Steve, who was such a terrific player at Fresno State and ended up making uh, the big leagues with the San Francisco Giants. We've been talking a lot about Geloff for years. Uh, we saw him down in, you know, playing against the San Jose Giants when Stockton was in town. He was playing third base. Now he's playing second base. The bat is going to play. I mean, you start talking about these names. How how excited are you about these names that are going to be coming to Oakland? Yes, yeah, it's, it's funny because I always get – I'm the guy, I'm the eternal optimist, and I actually always – I normally get proven correct, obviously. They don't go back <laughs> on that, you know. I remember saying Matt Olson, you know, in A-ball had, had the best glove, you know, in baseball at the time at first base, and people chuckled, and I got killed online, but uh, I got proven correct, and, and a lot of stuff, I mean, you know, afterwards. But, yeah, I mean, it's um, it's exciting time, and we go in waves here in Oakland. I've been here 25 years. I believe we made the playoffs 11 or 12 years. We normally go through cycles. I mean, we made the playoffs, you know, 2001, 2, and 3, had a little lull, made it in 6, made the playoffs again 12, 13, and 14, Little Lowell made the playoffs again, uh, 17, 18, um, uh, 18, 19, and 20. So we normally uh, build it up, ha- have a great product on the field, exciting, see, see uh, young players kind of break in, do their thing, and then later on um, we, we change it out a little bit. But, yeah, it's coming up. You got Geloff, he, he's a stud. Soderstrom can swing that bat. I'm, I'm kind of giving him a, a – uh, Carlos Delgado, comp. He's, he's, he can catch, but the bat is elite. Uh, Denzel Clark. Wait, wait, whoa, whoa. Uh, Carlos Delgado. 
Yeah, no, nah, I mean, Carlos Delgado actually came up as a catcher, and, and Soderstrom can catch, but Carlos's bat was so elite that at yeah. some point uh, he, he took off the gear and, and just started raking and, and produced. So, now he can definitely catch. He's got a good arm. He's athletic, but the bat is special. I mean, the bat, it's, it's line to line. He made a few adjustments the second half last year. Uh, you, you saw it in double A, finished the year in triple A. Geloff hit five homers last year down the stretch in triple A. Phenomenal athlete. Um, unbelievable. Great makeup. Uh, Walden Chuck, you, you got a glimpse of him last year at the Coliseum. Swing miss stuff. Uh, Sears, tough kid out of Citadel. I mean, the, the next wave is going to be here. Uh, the 2021 draft, uh, Brett Harris, kid seventh rounder out of Gonzaga. Last year, uh, between high A and double A, hit 290 with 17 home runs. Good walk-to-strikeout ratio. Uh, solid defender at third base. Good at second. Kind of give him a Brandon Drury comp. He's a little bit off the radar. Uh, Mason Miller was the highest-rated pitching prospect in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, kid came out of Gardner-Webb. A juvenile type 1 diabetes, uh, got stronger later in his uh, amateur career, averaging 100 miles an hour in the Arizona Fall League with, with legitimate secondary pitches at six foot five. So, now uh, the train's coming downhill. I, I believe that you know next year, 2023, the second half, you'll see the numbers really start to matriculate to the 510. And starting in 2024, we'll be competitive again, and uh, we'll have another good run. You know, when you start looking at velocity – what, when was it all your time being out there scouting? I mean, no one logs more miles and more hotel rooms than you. When did you start thinking, oh, my God, all these guys are throwing 100. All these guys are throwing 98. I mean, it used to be you were like a unicorn when you did that. Now you see it on a regular basis. Yeah, and I remember, like, uh, I played in the minor leagues from 92 to 98. I faced Roberto Hernandez. He was a White Sox closer in the mid-'90s. And he was anomaly. He threw 100 miles an hour back then. But, you know, not like anything else. I mean, kids get bigger, faster, stronger. Uh, their, their training acumen's better. And, you know, the velocity's higher. Uh, the physical attributes of these guys are, are phenomenal. It's only getting better. I mean, it's like – I mean, baseball's a history game. And, and I can recite the history as well as anybody. But these kids getting bigger, faster, stronger across all sports – um, just like the, the television in your your front room, you don't have the same TV that you had 20 years ago. The TV's better now. So, I mean, things are just – it's just technology, man. I mean, these guys 20 years from now, they're going to be better than they are now. So, just just the way it is. But hey, don't discount it. These kids have talent. Well, yeah, and and don't, don't be too shocked because look how different the winter meetings are from 20 years ago. Look yeah. how big the difference the winter meetings are from when you first started. Yeah, no, I mean, the technology, the media aspect, uh, seeing the numbers, I mean, just percentage. I mean, I'm sure it's not official, uh, the kid out of Linden, but, you know, if, if you're that big of a star in a nation's ca- in, a, in New York City uh, and, and you hit 62 balls, I mean, home runs over the fence, and after Otani, you're probably the most marketable person in, profession, in Major League Baseball. Uh, those are the numbers. Otani is so interesting what the Angels are going to do with him. I know there's only so much you can say, but when you have a player that's a two-way player, but, and I do say but, and I'm like, I'm like the, and I, and I, and I, and I, and I, and What's I, the but? Yes, here you go, all right? Yeah, I mean, Every single time I talk about this, people go, Townsend, yeah, you're an idiot. Yeah. 
He can only pitch in a six-man rotation. There's not a lot, not a lot of teams can't put five starters. He's in a six-man rotation. He only DHs. If he ever gets hurt, well, if he takes up two spots, you can only replace him with one guy on the roster. So you start to – I know he's great, but is his greatness really – if he's great for, like, a team that has unbelievable depth, if you're a team that doesn't have unbelievable depth, there, there seems to be – I mean, because the Angels, the Angels have a hard time finding starting pitching. So having a six-man rotation has not worked for them. Yeah, I mean, that's not an indict, indictment on, on Shohei. I mean, he's down there. I mean, he's top five on, on the mound. He's top five at the plate. He's actually probably uh, top five, if not higher, fastest, uh, fastest guys in the league. I think he led the league in triples or amongst the league leaders two years ago, uh, along with the 40 home runs, along, along with um, being top two or three in strikeouts in the whole league. So now, and, and from a face of the franchise, I mean, uh, if, he, if he was born in the United States, he'd probably be the first pick of the draft. As a quarterback, he, he might be uh, – a, a point guard that you know playing NBA right now, averaging 25 points a game. The kid, he's a he's a unicorn. He's a unique athlete. He's um, worldwide known. How do you get yeah. more volume out of him? Yeah, it? I mean they got plenty of volume. I mean just the nobody goes through. I remember the White Sox when they won the World Series. Uh, Kenny Williams, one of my mentors out there, phenomenal executive in person. Uh, when they won the World Series, their health, their starting rotation. People stayed healthy throughout the year, but then you flip it over five years later, the Phillies actually had a rotation, would, would have six All-Stars, you know, going into the season, and, and they had rotation issues within the first two weeks. So you always got to plan. Um, there's power in numbers. You got to have depth. I mean, it, baseball comes down to most talent on the field, who's got depth, and guys in their prime years. If you have that combination, you have a really strong chance to win. Speaking of Kenny Williams, the product of the East Bay in Oakland and former Stanford great, uh, your guys is Pac-12. What's happening with you? Because, of course, if you don't know, Billy <laughs> O is a former two-way star at the University of Arizona, both football and baseball. What is going on? Well, you were Pac-10. Uh, where, where, what's going on with your Pac-12? Yeah, I mean, just like, you know, the winter meetings or anything else. I mean, if you look at the numbers, I mean, the um, – the college football playoff is, is four this year. It's going to be 12 pretty soon. I mean, the, the numbers are astronomical on television, on the field and off the field, and, and it's only getting better. So, yeah, I mean, I saw our SC. They still they still might go to the East Coast. What conference are they going to be in? Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, I don't know demographic-wise. I mean, I'm trying to imagine the water polo game on Tuesday. <laughs> I mean, how they're going to travel all the way to Michigan just for that and come back. So, But as far as the football on Saturday, I mean, they can play the big game in Columbus. They can play it in Ann Arbor, and they can play it in Los Angeles as well. I mean, are, are, are you looking forward to that big rivalry of UCLA-Maryland or USC-Rutgers? Yeah, I mean, USC-Rutgers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there you go. I mean, I, I can't think of um, the the twins that play for the Patriots. I, I know they were Rutgers guys. One guy's on TV right now. Uh, the other kid's still a good defensive back for Bill Belichick's defense. And uh, USC, Lincoln Riley out there, uh, phenomenal year. They're going to finish in the top ten. Uh, UCLA had a good year. That was a great game, 48-45 between the Trojans and the Bruins out there at the Rose Bowl. Uh, Oregon's always got a formidable squad. Uh, Bear Down, uh, Arizona, 
Hey, what uh, happened uh, to Bear Down? Yeah, yeah Jed Fish. Um, we we beat the Sun Devils this year, <laughs> and, and and we're we're surging ahead. And I like the ASU hire. Uh, kids out of Chaparral High School. Uh, he's got, he's the youngest coach in Division One, 32 years old. I watched his press conference, and he brought a ton of energy. So uh, the Pac-12, and we're back. I mean, we're we're going to challenge the SEC at some point. All right, let's end on this. We're <coughs> we're heading to the holidays. We're heading to Christmas. We know you're one of the busiest workers in the game. Billy Bean has always talked about with you know how much you travel and how much you do. He's you know you've you've been one of his right hand guys for so long. Um, what do you do from like here to spring training? I mean, there's always something to do. I mean, whether you can go to Latin America anytime, whether playing winter ball, a uh, 16 year old kid uh, getting signed in one of those countries in Latin America. So you got plenty of options that way. Uh, you got preparation before the draft, doing follow lists, uh, doing winter or fall baseball out there. There's somebody always playing. Um, I got a football crew. I normally um, get my fantasy team rocking and rolling on Sunday, so do a little bit of that. Um, eat a lot of turkey. Uh, I'm more of a um, pumpkin pie guy over, over um, sweet potato. But, yeah, you, you, you mix in sports. You mix in football, you mix in uh, baseball, basketball, travel a little bit, have a lot of fun. I mean, I'm blessed, 51 years old, been in this game my whole life. Uh, it's like almost, if it's a passion, it's almost like you've, you've never worked a day in your whole life. Well, I'll tell you what, this is the guy that uh, made sure we got Yoannis Cespedes. You got, a Yo- you got another Yoannis Cespedes <laughs> in your back pocket? I, I'm not sure I could fit Yoannis Cespedes in my back pocket, but, uh, yeah, there's always – I mean, the game's global. I mean, you saw the yeah. WB, WBC's coming up. That's exciting. You're going to see, see, you know, following the World Cup, too, where you're seeing the flags waving, the music, the food, uh, um, the energy, and we're going to back that up this year with the WBC, have the first full spring training that we've had in the last three years, and we're going to follow with the, another 162-game uh, cage match out there across the United States. And, um Stretch out a little bit globally, too. I think we've got London coming up, Mexico still might venture into Asia. I mean, hey, we're blessed out here in sports for a living, watching that competition, seeing these guys get better, you know, seeing the money flow on, on all, all sorts, the passion of the fans, the energy. Uh, it couldn't be better. Um, j- just blessed to be here and, and to trying to make it happen. That's the great Billy Owens, assistant general manager of your Oakland Athletics. Uh, Great stuff. Happy holidays. And we will see you in Mesa, Arizona. Happy holidays. Bear down. Go A's. Well, now joining us, let's just go through it. Three-time World Series champion, World Series MVP, two-time American League uh, ALCS MVP, (laughs) Roberto Clemente Award winner, A's, uh, A's, excuse me, AL wins leader, no hitter, number retired, number 34, A's Hall of Famer, GM, pitching coach, uh, about to be new owner, managing general partner of the Nashville Stars. Uh, Did I leave anything else? Anything out? I don't know. That was a lot. I mean, well, I mean, the resume kind of speaks for itself. (laughs) How are you, my friend? I am doing absolutely outstanding. It is good to see you. Well, I tell you what, I was thinking about you because earlier today, Commissioner Manfred was just over here talking to all the writers, and he was 
talking about uh, the A's and about timeline and need to get things going. I'm sure the same thing with Tampa because in the end, that all leads down your road and Nashville and getting your expansion team in Nashville. You know, we, we've just got to, you know, be patient and, and wait our time. Um, as you said, you know, the A's, at some point, they're, they're going to get a new stadium. Um, and, you know, my heart is in Oakland, so I hope it's in Oakland. Um, but if not, they're, they're going to have to figure that out. But I think that that's closer to sooner than later. Um, and Tampa, if you read and believe what you read, um, they have put themselves in a position with a potential partner in Tampa to build a new stadium there. And so, um, you know, I'm hoping that, um, you know, these issues get out of the way so that we can move on with expansion and move on with expansion in Nashville. Because once those things are done, then we're ready for expansion and, and can't wait to see that. I mean, I mean, this is this is so interesting where we are right now with Aaron Judge. Not too many people have ever hit 62 home runs and then become a free agent. And to look at where the Yes Network is right now and look at NBC Sports Bay Area, so basically New York and San Francisco and where everybody is, they're just waiting. Uh, what do you think about the negotiations, where they're going, how they're going? Is Judge here? Is he not here? People don't know. It's just a lot at the winter meetings here. A lot of rumors are swirling. I mean, if, if Aaron is if he's, if he's smart – um, you avoid the crowd as much as you can. You avoid questions as much as you can. And so you maintain silence in your residence. And if that's if he's on the West Coast at this time, then it's in the West Coast. If he's, you know, on the East Coast, then it's the East Coast. When he does make the announcement on, on what he's going to do, then obviously this is going to probably be the place that he shows up if it's done in the next few days. Um you know, I don't think that there's been a time that I can think of uh, in my 16-year playing career and 48 years in baseball that um, that a that a homegrown Yankee um, of the magnitude of Aaron Judge, Derek Jeter, Ron Guidry, you name them, um, those those players have remained Yankees and they found a way. Um, to, to stay at home. And so um, I would be shocked um, if, you know, he leaves the Yankees, even though I know the news is circulating that it may be, he may be headed west, but I, I'd be shocked. Now I think about your expertise as a general manager, but then I forgot to say also you've been an agent. So it's, it's from the agent side of this, what's it like working multiple franchises for one guy? Well, uh, when you're when you're talking to your client, uh, quite frankly, um, it really doesn't become a matter of how much money. It really is a matter of of where is the most comfortable fit and and uh, opportunity to win. Um, and then after you you look at those two factors, money then becomes a, a part of it all and. I mean, but the money takes care of itself when you have the type of year that, that Aaron Judge um, had um, this past season. The money takes care of itself. Um, what you have to look at as a player is for the next seven, eight, nine, ten years, how often is your team going to show up in the postseason? Because we play to, to be in the postseason. We play to win championships. We play to 
reap the benefits of winning. Nobody plays this game because you're here to just, just be in the game, I don't think. I think you play because you're here to win, and you're here to win every year if you possibly can. And so um, those, I think, are, 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 the, the, are the factors for, for Aaron. I think that he's really looking at this closely and looking at where's his best opportunity to win and where is he going to be most comfortable doing that. And then as a GM or an agent, how about if you have one of the other big-name guys and you know that one of these teams is losing out? But then that means they're going to have a lot of money to spend, <laughs> right? So so what's it like for the other guys who are just waiting for Judge to make a decision, and then you know now it's my time to cash Well, out. as an agent, we, we have those conversations, and they're honest conversations. Um, you, when you're talking to your client and, and his potential destination, you have to look at where he is in the pecking order. And once you go through that, you can pretty much estimate or guesstimate when he's going to be taken, unless somebody overwhelms you, which most teams who are going to be in the judge sweepstakes, they're not really making any other moves. And, and the the honest general manager is saying, hey, this is the guy we want first, and if we fail here, then we're going to come after you. And so the the potential player, he understands where he is in this order, and he knows that when judge comes off the board, then he's going to be the next in line. I mean, it's a lot of money that you're, you're going to have to spend. And, I, you know, I just wonder, like, God, if you miss out on Judge, and I know here and everybody's going to say you lost and everything, but, I, you know, one guy for 9, 10, 11 years versus I take that money and spread it around and make my roster better, my 26 better, that might be the best deal. So losing out on Aaron Judge may not exactly be losing. It may not be for some teams. I mean, it's going to cost a tremendous amount of money. Uh, but when you spend that kind of money on a player, it's it's a player that when he walks in the door, he has impact on your team. He has impact on the players on your team. Um, he makes the players around him better. Um, and, and when you can get that type of player, and those type of players are rare. There aren't very many of them in the game of baseball, and you probably can name most of them off the top of your head right away. Um, but this is a guy that makes a difference in your clubhouse. <clears throat> and if you have the dollars to spend and you can fill in the gaps in other areas, then you have to go after that kind of player. So you got four shortstops out there. Trey Turner signed an 11-year <laughs> deal. We've been joking going, where are you going to be in 11 years? And all of us go, I have no idea. We know where Trey Turner's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> if you looked at the four guys, you look at Dansby Swanson, you, you, you look at – Trey Turner, you, you look at Xander Bogarts, hard to believe, two-time World Series champion with the Red Sox. He could be moving on. Um, who am I leaving out? Carlos Correa. Which of the four, forget numbers, money, just as the player, and who will play shortstop the longest? Who do you like? Um, well, Carlos Correa, you, you got to like him uh, because of his, his, his total package. <clears throat> But if I'm a general manager, I, I have some concerns about whether you're going to be able to keep him on the field um, for as many games as you need him to have impact on your team. <clears throat> um, you know, Dansby Swanson, um, he makes all the plays. Um, he doesn't make all of the great plays, but he makes all the plays that he should make. He's a consistent player at shortstop. 
And quite frankly, as I've watched him over the years, I've, I've grown a great appreciation for him as a shortstop, as a player. When you listen to people talk about him and his winning attitude and what he brings to a team, he may be the best of the shortstop pickups for consistency, playing a position for an extended period of time, and what he brings to your clubhouse. Yeah, and he may be playing the position mm -hmm. the longest, but who knows? And, and Xander, I mean, I don't know what's going on with Boston. Boston just sounds, I mean, this is a team that's got all the money in the world. They got the most expensive tickets in baseball, and it's just, I don't. The, the direction of the team is is highly questionable. Well, they just it, it looks as they, as if though they're 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 trying to figure out the direction. <clears throat> um, you know, uh, the the general manager there is is a general manager that came from the Tampa organization, and Tampa's organization and their belief, and because economics don't play well for them, they've been able to succeed. Um, without paying a lot of money for athletes, without paying a lot of money for players. And so there's a pretty good chance that Boston probably has somebody that's laying in the weeds that can come in and fill that position at shortstop and do a great job for them, um, it would be my guess. Um, we can't argue with the fact that, with the exception of last year, they played well. Xander Bogart is, is a top-notch quality shortstop um, and probably – Though I did say that Dansby, Dansby would probably be the guy that will play shortstop for an extended period of time. I mean, when you look at all-around ability, you have to like uh, what Xander Bogart brings to the table. You know, we were talking about, you know, veteran <clears throat> players signing again. All of a sudden, you know, a few years ago, ah, you can't sign veteran players. Now veteran players, now you're seeing Verlander getting the deal, right? You're getting seen. I remember your A's, the late 80s A's, I think about you guys with the Toronto Blue Jays. I mean, the Toronto Blue Jays were built, whether it was Winfield, then Molitor, and you, and Jack Morris, and all of that. And, and then I think about the Yankees in the late 90s, early 2000s. Veteran players were so big. All those championship runs. Are you glad to see that again, that we're starting to value veteran players again? Well, there's, there's a place definitely for veteran players. Um, in this game, guys who have knowledge of the game, guys who bring that extra to the clubhouse that only veterans can bring. Um, you know, I've I've always said this about baseball, and and, and you're slowly seeing it. You know, next year there there, there won't be any shifts. <clears throat> They're bringing in a clock, which you know that's either good or bad. It doesn't really matter because when you don't have the shift, I think that the game is going to move at a fast pace anyway. Um, you know, Dusty Baker and, and the Philadelphia Phillies, um, you saw where you had starting rotations that were capable of pitching deeper in the game than just five innings that could face the lineup for more than three innings or three at-bats. Um, and, and when you have that happen, obviously, it saves your bullpen. It makes your bullpen healthier, and it keeps them much, much more durable for the course of the season. So... When you look at the turn of the game and the way things that are going, it only makes sense that veteran players will start playing a more valuable role in the makeup of your teams um, and the endurance of your team and the success of your teams. Now that you've come into our world of doing <clears throat> shows before the game and mainly after the game, aren't you a little happy about a pitch clock that makes the game go a little <laughs> faster? Now that you're in our world. <laughs> you know, Tony, <laughs> this is the <this> truth. <is> <laughs> 
the only time we had short games is when you were broadcasting, which is a reason in itself Speed to get rid. There's a reason in itself to get rid of Brody because when you're on there, you know we're going to have <laughs> quickly pay played games. <laughs> you believe Brody's down here? Uh, yeah, I don't know what Brody's doing here, but yeah. It's his first time, and he just goes, yeah, I'm kind of a fish out of water. Yeah. It's just you baseball people. He is a fish out of water. I was looking for him yesterday, but I was looking up. I should have been looking low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's down here. He was trying to get the commissioner baseball. I was like, no way is the commissioner baseball going to talk to you. I ain't talking to Brody. He's Brody Brazil. Yeah. I don't even should we call him should we call him A's broadcaster or shark broadcaster? Well, at this time of the year he's he's shark Brody. Yeah. He's not A's Brody. There we go. We don't get in we don't get him until after the shark <laughs> season's over. All I know is he's bringing the same A's luck to the Sharks this year. I can tell you that. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> hey, the uh, winter meetings for you. This is a home game. Yeah, this is uh you know, I was sitting here thinking um not my 48th winter meeting but i've done a bunch of these 48 years um coming in the next year i've been in baseball and you know coming here and to the different cities that we hold winter meetings is always kind of like a reunion or guys that i haven't seen in 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 a long time um you know though though the houston astros come to town gary pettis was a kid that i played played with when we were kids growing up you know, I just got a chance to see Gary and, and spend some time with him. And Omar Minaya, um, one of the great GMs of the game and, and developers of, of talent. I got a chance to spend some time with Omar. You know, Benji Gill, yesterday I got a chance to spend some time with Dusty Baker. Um, you know, Logan White, people that I don't get an opportunity to see during the course of the year. You know if you come to the winter meetings, there, there's going to be a reunion of, of good friends and people that you haven't seen and people that you have warm feelings for. Great story in the USA Today about <clears throat> Dusty Baker winning the World Series, and you were in it. It was one of four people they brought up that uh, longtime friends with Dusty had to be at the World Series. And you traveled around and you went to the World Series. What would that mean to see, to see it in person, to see your friend get a championship? You know um, – I've been a Dusty Baker fan since I met him. Um, I met Bake when I was <clears throat> 18 years old. Uh, we were in Dodger Town, you know, and I, I tell the story all the time. I came in the camp and my number 12 was gone and it was all of a sudden 48. And I go over to Bake and tell him he's got my number. And Bake says, oh, you boy. in the big leagues? <laughs> and I said, no. And he says, well, you better get your butt over there where you belong. And so I went over, and then I saw I had 48, and I walked right back to him. And I said, you know what? You can keep the number. I'm 48 times better than you any. I'm four times better than you anyway. So that was my first encounter with Dusty. But days after that, um, you know, he invited me to his house for a meal. At that time, he was married to Harriet. Um, and we had my – she's from Louisiana. My mother's Louisiana. My dad, Louisiana, had Louisiana-style food. And then a few nights after that, we go out to Lake Okeechobee and we do some fishing. And quicker than we could drop the hooks in the water, we were we were getting fish. We couldn't get it, get the hooks and get the fish in the boat quick enough. And so, you know, that gives you a little background and history and of 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 our relationship. And you know, I've I've seen it. And, and Dusty's never once said I need to win a World Series. Um, he's done the best with every team that he's managed and gotten the most out of the players that he's managed. And you're never going to hear a player say, 
<laughs> Boy, playing for Dusty Baker was a nightmare. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> that's not something you're going to hear players say. And so, you know, traveling to Houston, sitting in there for just one baseball game and watching him win the World Series and watching in the manner that he won that World Series game um, was as rewarding as you can be. And, you know, though he managed it and the players were playing for him, when you've known a man as long as I've known him and you share emotional ties to him, you almost feel like it's your winning too. Let's end on this. A really special year for you in a lot of ways, but especially having your number retired just this season in your long career. What's it? What was it like for you? Yeah, I can't even replay it. Um, I can't. And, you know, I get emotional about it because it started. Um, it started um, at at our studios. You know, when Devin and and the and the and the group they threw a surprise for me. Yeah. Um, and you know, you can you can never replace the feelings in the room and the emotion in the room and the heartfelt love in the room. Um, that day, and then it just continued on, you know, with the roast um, before the number retirement, um, you know, with, you know, McGuire and Carney Lansford, Steinbach, Reggie Jackson, uh, Walt Jockety, Sandy Alderson, Wally Haas, you know, the the whole crew, they were there for that event, for the roast. Um, and then um, on the the day of retirement, um, and though probably not very many people noticed, um, the icing on the cake, and it's not the fact that, you know, I mean, this was all brought on, I believe, by, by Dave Cavill. I think this was Dave Cavill's first moment in retiring my number. He announced it, and he wanted that. And I believe Billy Bean and the rest of the crew wanted it as well. But, you know, um, moments that, that go unnoticed that I didn't, miss is you don't see John Fisher at the ballpark very much and he was there that day and um that meant a lot so it's been it's been great it's been a good year no doubt and I can tell you it always means a lot uh when you come on this show because obviously A's fans what you mean to our fan base what you stand for in so many ways and it's an honor to do the TV with you on NBC oh, Sports man, we California. Have so much fun. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> we have more. You, you, fun, we have more fun than we do with Brody. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. It's people ask me all the time, "What's it like to work with Stu?" I'm like, "It's Dave Stewart. It's cool. It's fun." <laughs> we have a good time, man. We have a good time. We get a chance to really talk about some great topics and um, complimentary to you and Brody. I mean, this was a tough year of baseball for the A's uh, to watch 102 games um, lost and to be able to stay resilient, stay positive, and really seek the positive things about a team that, quite frankly, they were overmatched all season long. Um, they had their ups. They had their downs. They had their bright moments. They had their down moments, and unfortunately, 102 down moments. Um, but as a, as a broadcast crew, um, we were able to continue to highlight, I think, the promising moments for this team, which they those things will come to fruition 
in this upcoming year. They may not win. They may not win more games than they lose again this year. But, you know, the Oakland A's in 1968, at some point they came and they were the 68 A's, and they weren't very good. But in 72, 73, and 74, they became a championship team. So, you know, all we can do is hope, see it, make sure that we do what we can for the people that are watching the game and watch our show. Um, and, and stay optimistic about this team that at some point they'll turn it around and start to win baseball games. You know what would make some great Christmas gifts? What? Nashville Stars gear. There we go. I'm going to Nashville on the 11th, so guess what? You can buy it online right now, you right? You can buy it online. Nashville Stars expansion team, and he will be the managing general partner. There you go, MLB Music City Baseball.com. I think it would be great for Christmas. Yep be absolutely outstanding i'll tell you what we're not even a baseball team and our 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 uh our souvenirs our our swag i guess is selling as good as some of the major league teams that are out there merch gotta sell your merch we're doing it great stuff yes have a great christmas Thanks, good Chris. holidays it's we'll talk to, to you, you uh after the first of the year it's really good to see you okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, everybody watching and everybody listening knows our next guest. He's the general manager of the Philadelphia Phillies, but he's a former player for our Oakland Athletics. He was a fan, a fan favorite. Sam Fold is with us, and it, it's great to have you back. I think the last time I interviewed was probably for, like, a pregame show. <laughs> Seems like an eternity ago, but, yeah, um, lots happened in the interim, that's for sure. Well, congratulations on everything that's been happening. Obviously, the World Series – that had to be just one hell of a ride. I mean, talk about what that was like. I know September ended up being a little bit rough. We were following for you. Dave Dombrowski, love him. And uh, he was actually the first GM I ever interviewed. So we were rooting for you guys. And the next thing, you get in, and the rest is history. Quite a, quite a wild ride of a season. I mean, just going back to the, the adversity that we faced early on when we struggled and, and you know made a change at the managerial position and uh, dealt with a, a, a lot of – you know adversity as teams tend to do but you know losing Bryce Harper for a big chunk of our season and you know losing Zach Wheeler towards the end of the season for a little bit uh it was a really neat a neat season I think once we got into the playoffs and broke that 11-year playoff uh drought felt like the whole city the whole clubhouse breathed a sigh of relief and I think baseball's a, a, a good game to play with without a lot of pressure and I think we all felt that pressure uh, to get into the playoffs. And then once we got in, it was um, our, our guys just did a great job of sort of having fun, staying focused, and just staying in the moment. And uh, those are all cliche things to say, but I really think it helped us get in, uh, you know, make make that deep run that we did. And I think having dealt with all those uh, challenges throughout the course of the year, I think it gave our, our guys a lot of a lot of confidence going into the playoffs. So it was, it was quite a wild ride, quite a month. Yeah, I thought I talked about it on this show about how you guys remind me of like that group of like really good players, like a summer ball team where you start playing, figure each other out. But by the end, everybody's drinking beers, loves each other, loves the manager, and you just become unbeatable, right? I mean, 
the way you guys gelled and the way everybody looked, ah, oh, you guys are the underdogs. You're like, why would you wouldn't want to play the Phillies? The way that you guys, you guys had everything, and and Rob takes over, and just it was just it was just like poetry in motion of what chemistry is, which is so tough to build. For sure, I think uh, a lot of that, yeah, that chemistry evolved as, uh, over the course of the season, as I said, and I think you know when we made some we made some acquisitions at the deadline that I helped. I think we're additive to the clubhouse. Um, you know, guys like Brandon Marsh brought that youthful energy and just bought right into what we were doing. Uh, and, and, you know, some off-season acquisitions that we made. I mean, Kyle Schwarber can't get enough credit for what he did outside the lines for us. Uh, and I think he pulled, helped pull everybody together. And uh, it was pretty special. There was a lot of a lot of dancing and drinking as, as yeah. there happens <laughs> to be when you, when you go advance uh, round to round. And, yeah. Uh, it did feel I, I saw somebody did compare us to kind of a college baseball team. I think that was yeah. a good, good analogy because um, a lot of energy and a lot of fun uh, innings one through nine, and a lot of energy and a lot of fun you know after games too. Now, obviously, you can't talk about what everybody knows now here in San Diego, but obviously, a big deal is out there for the Philly uh, for the Phillies. So at least we could talk about building on this team that went to the World Series, adding players, adding. Big name players. Just how key is that to keep that momentum in Philadelphia? I think everybody's excited about the the run that we made, uh, you know. But I think we recognize we still have plenty of room to to be better, um, both in terms of the development of our of our players internally, you know, from from the Dominican League on up. I think we we have lots to work lots of work to do on the on the player development side, and to continue to try to bring in the best players that we possibly can. On the amateur side and, and through you know pro acquisitions, I think we just have a lot of work to do. So um, we love our team as it exists now, but but there's obviously a lot of opportunity uh, to upgrade in different ways. And yeah, I think that's we want to continue continue to keep this momentum going. I think the the city got really excited, and it was amazing to feel the energy of that of the city of Philadelphia, particularly towards the end there. And the last month of October was just phenomenal. And I think. Our players, our staff, everybody who had been with the Phillies for a while, had not experienced any playoff baseball, had heard about what playoff baseball is like in Philadelphia. We all got a taste of it, and and Crazy. everybody's thirsty. For sounded more. like everybody said it sounded like being at a club. It was so loud, and you got the Eagles going so good. I mean, it's amazing <laughs> yeah. uh, what's happening in Philadelphia right it's now. A, it's a good time. Yeah, no, it's great. It's I, I don't know how much of it. You know, obviously people talk about kind of feeding off each other, and who knows if there's any truth to that. But it is definitely a fun time to be a Philadelphia sports fan right now. And just how much does it suck? You know, for all of us who are just baseball fans, and, you know, when someone like Bryce Harper's got to have surgery and he's going to be out for a while, he was out, as you talked about earlier this year, when he – when he hurt the hand, it's just it's it's not great for the game. You want your stars to be healthy. Uh, any idea when you think he might be back, and just how tough is it with that elbow? Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, that's a, it's a two-time MVP that you're taking out of the lineup. That's that's uh, that's going to be a challenge for us. Luckily, we we have dealt with it in, in recent history and and played good baseball without him. We know we're better with him, and we'll be excited when he comes back. I think you know we're just a couple weeks removed from the surgery, and everything's going well going according to plan but obviously a lot of a lot of time in between now and and when we would expect them back in there but you know like we've said I think sometime around the all-star break um seems like a reasonable timeline and uh but there's some variability in that in either direction so anxious to see how he responds and anxious to get him back in the lineup but in the meantime I think we'll be um we'll be ready to go without him at the beginning of the year your time with the A's I know Bob Melvin loved you 
and fans loved you. Just talk about your time playing there. It was special because there was, you know, the, the fan base, they were always rooting hard for you. Just what was it like for your time being in A? It was great. It was great. You know, I, I had familiarity with the Bay Area. I uh, haven't gone to school out that way. And I just, I mean, you know, love, love being out there. Love that. Love the city. Uh, love, just love the Bay Area for everything that it brings. Um, and that, the, you know, the first year, I was excited. I was, I was non-tendered by Tampa and, and hit sort of free agency for the first time and was, was excited to you know, sign a minor league deal with the, with Oakland that offseason but felt like I had a chance to, to help and make a team. And I did was fortunate enough to make the team out of spring training. And um, it was just a, an immediately like comfortable feeling. Started with Bowmel and, and really the front office and just the environment that they created inside the clubhouse. And uh, we were a bunch of sort of underdogs in that clubhouse. Yeah. And, and that year turned out to be really neat. You know, that was 2014 was a really – neat year it was an odd year for me I was I was I made the team out of camp designated about two or three weeks into the season played it played in Minnesota for about three months and then got traded back, back to, yeah. to Oakland it was uh kind of a wacky year but it was you know once I got back at the deadline at the time we were the best team in baseball uh and it was you know the the Lester Cespedes trade got more attention then and uh yeah. And, um, you know, we dealt with some adversity there towards the end and obviously still were able to get into the playoffs and have that heartbreaking wild card loss to the Royals. Um, but that, that whole that whole year was, was really fun. I mean, play, never forget playing Sunday night baseball against the Angels in a full, like, packed-out Coliseum that was, as, you know, just about as loud as any environment that I've ever played on, played in. And um, that's when you sort of felt, like, the energy of, of the fans in Oakland and realized how passionate they are in a lot of ways i think about it now because the philly fans are, are similar they're passionate they'll let you know when you're doing well they'll let you know when it's you're the not blue doing collar well. right it yeah is. yeah so I, I experienced that you know i guess eight nine years ago playing in oakland and i'll, I'll never forget that energy Let, let's end on this do you do, do you get any when you when you think back of your time in oakland what you learned in oakland and what you're doing now so when you're ever making decisions or you're thinking about building the team or how to run a team or what the clubhouse should look like, the manager, all that kind of stuff, do, do you ever refer back to your days in Oakland? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, you know, there's, there's limits to what you learn as a player. Um, it was great to have Billy and David and others around um, and tried to learn from them, knowing that, you know, there was always a piece of my mind that occupied, like, what's next when I'm done playing? And you know, I was never good enough to really know that I would play, you know, into my 30s. I thought you know, I almost probably got – my my season, my career probably almost ended in a ball when I was hitting 220 as a 23 year old uh, with no no signing bonus and so I I was always thinking about next steps in my in my career and I couldn't help but just sort of want to learn and and um, you know s ingest as much information from those guys as possible so it was cool to see obviously Oakland and, and my previous team I played for in Tampa been like they're the poster children for how to how to get a lot out of, you know, maybe limited resources. And so I, I knew to try to soak in as much info from them as possible, and I enjoyed every conversation I had with Billy and David then. Well, I can tell you one of the cool things about my job is, you know, all the years being around this ball club and all, everybody that comes through is I see you guys as players, and then I watch you after. And then I'll be a GM that's uh, really special. So congratulations yeah. on everything. You've earned everything, and you deserve everything you've gotten. I appreciate it. No, it's been a good, it's been a good ride, and I, uh, it, it does in a lot of ways feel like yesterday I was strapping on the, right? the white cleats. It doesn't seem like that long yeah. ago, and like Sam no. Post, the GM, what? No. we were just interviewing all him. My, I mean, all my, it's funny. I just look at, like, the Mets team, they, you know, with Mark Canna and Chris Bassett, all my former teammates there. There's still a lot of guys, you know, playing, and it just does feel like yesterday that we were uh, – 
you know, cozied up in the in the confines of the Coliseum, and, um, and so many great memories there. Well, soon you can talk about this new person that's supposedly coming to Philly that you can be very excited about. That sounds like a plan. I hope it's soon. <laughs> <laughs> Time now for the Bob Melvin Show here on A's Cast Live, brought to you by Nest Bed. Didn't, didn't we used to do something like that? I believe we did, so it, it, it definitely rang a bell when you said that. Do you still have the mattress that, that I uh, helped you Are with? Are you kidding me with the plug-in uh, unit for the phone and all that sort of thing? Are you kidding me? I, I have it there, and I have it guest room. It's all over the place at my house. You know, the bottom line is, as much as everybody knows, we've grown here on A's Cast and A's Cast Live to become number one in Major League Baseball. You were a big part of that because when we started, it was me leaving the radio station because the team was leaving the radio station, and it was a big kind of jump, and you made sure that uh, – you were a part of it, and that meant a lot to us. So our success, especially very early, the fact that you were on board helped us a lot. I feel like a charter member. So when I put this headset on and you started talking again, it rang some bells and, and definitely felt very familiar and comfortable. We'll retire number six. That will be one of our – you and the great Sal Bando. That would be fantastic. I, I was asking Cody earlier who wore it this year, and he's, <laughs> he's still looking for that, so – Maybe it wasn't worn. You know, we thought about you on that day of the retirement because Sal obviously couldn't be there, but his family was there. We know how much and what Sal meant to you in your career. I'm sure on that day you were thinking about that. Very special. So to have Sal go in, kind of a part of you too, and of course, number six. No doubt about it. And I would have loved to have done a video thing. I wish I would have suggested that because I knew that day. And, you know, obviously with Voos and, and Lip and, and the people that were retired there that were so close to me, um, I, I definitely felt it that day and, and wanted to be a part of it, but obviously I was somewhere else. Obviously this season, something very, very special. When you go to something new and you've done that before and now you got to restart, kind of not, not, not easy because of all those years that you had in Oakland and being from the Bay Area. We've talked about all that, but now you come to San Diego, you got to start anew, but boy, what a start. Yeah, it ended up being a lot of fun. It, you know, it's it, it wasn't easy for us. I've said that often here. You know, we went through a lot this year. Um, you know, there was some drama, which typically happens here a little bit more than maybe when I, when I was in Oakland. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think it served us well. It, it, it made us battle-tested, and then we go into New York and, and win three games or two out of three there. And then the Dodger series here, if, if you're Southern California and you realize what it meant to this city to, to beat the Dodgers, especially here in a big series like that. I mean, I, I can't even explain to you how, how exciting that was. It was tough to win, lose that next series against Philadelphia, obviously, but from where the team started the year before and where we ended up last year, I think it was very successful. Yeah, you think about the way the game of baseball looked at the San Diego Padres before this year and now here at the winter meetings, how people look at the San Diego Padres. When you say night and day? Well, you know what, I, 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 when, once you're part of it, you, you just feel kind of who you are. Um, so I would think I'd leave that to people outside that were watching it. Um, but I, I do feel like that we, we, we made some strides this year. We have a lot of really talented players here. We have a fantastic payroll. Our owner spends a ton of money. So I think, uh, you know, you should expect to win and you should expect to, to get into the playoffs. But to be able to, to have it come to fruition in a couple of 
you know, win a couple series, I think kind of sets the tone for where we expect to be as a team going into next year. And it's almost like you guys are playing fantasy baseball. Like, who's the top guy? We're in on it. Has to be fun, right? Trey Turner, supposedly, I mean, we can't talk about offers, but supposedly there was talk there. Aaron Judge flew in just to speak with the San Diego Padres. I don't know if you got a chance to talk with him, but what is that like now to be with a team far different than what you had with Oakland, where you always knew you are going to have pieces, and you had to make those pieces work. Now you're like, who's at the top of the game? We're potentially making offers. Yeah, you know, it all started really at the trade deadline when, you know, we made the big trade, and here here comes Juan Soto, uh, Brandon Drury, Josh Bell, Josh Hader. I mean, a little different. And, you know, then you get into the, the winter meetings. We finally get a winter meetings like this again, and then we're on, on every single guy. I get to meet Aaron Judge yesterday and talk to him for a while. So uh, a little different how – you know, things go in this organization, but still, you know, it shouldn't be the same everywhere. And, uh, you know, it's something you acclimate to. Now that we know he's going to be a Yankee, you had the talks. Obviously, we saw him Monday Night Football. He's in Tampa. We know he's flying here. No one thought Padres, all right? We're thinking Giants talk with the Yankees. But then you're hearing, yeah, he's not talking to the Giants. He's not talking to the Yankees. Well, he didn't fly to San Diego for – I know he's going to Hawaii now for an anniversary – but what were the conversations like with Aaron Judge? Uh, it was pretty extensive. So, you know, whenever I think players, free agents, you know, high-dollar guys look at this team differently now. You know, when you have an owner like, you know, Peter Seidler that's going to spend some money, and this really is not considered a big market. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's just a different dynamic, and, and being able to, you know, have a shot at these guys certainly feels good. And, you know, if one falls through or two falls through, you know that's not the end of it. Manny Machado, if you remember back in our old days, we weren't in love with Manny Machado, the Oakland Athletics, and the Baltimore Orioles. Let's be honest. We had a few run-ins with him. What's different for you now about Manny Machado now that you've managed him versus when you managed against him with the A's? Well, a lot, but I think he's he's really developed into really a leader here, a guy that – you know, not only the team looks to, the city looks to, you know, he has a place here. There's there's nobody that does not know who Manny Machado is. And I think as his career, career progressed, and especially since he's gotten here to San Diego, it's a different look. It's a different guy. It's a different way of, of, of playing the game. I mean, the, the skill set's off the charts and, and so forth. But, you know, I think even as this year progressed he turned into a real leader us a, a, a guy that would speak up in meetings and a guy that really this clubhouse looked to uh, for leadership and boy he posted up you know he played I don't know how many games and how many games hurt and was second in the, in, the, in the National League and in MVP and in my opinion I don't know that there was a guy that was more important to any team so Manny Machado is a different guy that uh, we saw with the whole Josh Donaldson incident. The, and I think about you and your star player and your star players you find a way to have that connection obviously we saw it so many times with Matt Chapman I know you started doing similar things with Manny Machado what is it that you 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 understand that you know what my star they got to be my leaders, and you got to have the right connection with them. Well, you get a hook in those guys, and they do it a certain way, then everybody has to fall into line. And that's, you know, I mean, it's elementary, really. Those are the type of guys that you have to reach and get into leadership roles and go out there and, and play the game a certain fashion than everybody else has to. So he was definitely one of those guys. Yeah, it was funny when we read about the old Bob Melvin speech because we know that Bob Melvin – doesn't get angry that often, but there's that whole, you had that one speech. We know about that. When, when finally you get fed up with something, you're going to let it be known. 
And I don't know exactly how it went down. The media reported that uh, once you had that talk with the team, you were a little frustrated about the offense and scoring runs that the team took off after that. How did that go down? Was it reported correctly, and what did you do with your ball club? Well, look, it, you know what? There, there are certain times during the season that, that – you know, you have to get the team's attention. We, we weren't playing very well, and there was a certain night that it just, you know, came full circle and that if we're going to play like this, we're not going to make it to the to the postseason. So it really more of a credit to the players. After that meeting that night, they got together the next day, and things changed across the board kind of in how we, we did our pregame and our preparation. Guys were out there for the anthem. They were on the line running. The other team saw maybe a little bit of a different team that was completely engaged and, and really serious about trying to make a, 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 a postseason run. So uh, really credit to the players to get together the next game and change things up. You know, I, I think about where you guys are right now in this division because I can tell you our friends over uh, across the Bay, they've left San Diego not feeling so hot. Um, the Dodgers still have so many different questions. We talked to Tori Lovello uh, the, yesterday. You know, Arizona's searching. I mean, if there is one team who, as of right now, it's early, you don't win it in the winter, but you know who you are. Does that feel pretty good that you know who you are and the other teams right now? They're not quite sure. they got a long way to go. We all have a long way to go. But you've got a good idea who your ball club is. Well, yeah, and I, and I think that maybe we were looked at a little differently now based on the success that we had this year, and I think that's a good thing. Now, like you said, you know, the Dodgers have the resources to make a lot of moves, and they're going to at some point in time. The Giants have made one, and they're going to make more too. So our division's not going to get any easier. And when you talk about the Diamondbacks, you look at some of this, the youth and the speed, and you know now the game's going to be a little different with the bases and, and the shifting and so forth. I think they've kind of timed this thing for, for maybe some athleticism that, that's going to show up a little bit more so this year. So the division's not going to get any easier. We've got you know those those two teams are going to make some moves but I think we're really focused on our team and I think like I said our team's looked at a little differently now when we talk about the rule changes we'll get mlb.com they'll put the list out this is what the rule changes are you guys have had meetings about the rule changes here are they going to be more extensive than we know well it's the nuance of a lot of them on the surface you say okay you know the as far as the stolen base thing goes, you can only pick over a couple times, and then the third time um, it would be a balk if he's not out. But there's so much to that, you know. I mean, with the with the pitch timing now, you know, there are going to be times that you're going to have to buy a little time. Guys aren't going to be used to it. You step off, and now all of a sudden you only have one pick over there. You got guys on first and third, and you don't have any picks left. There's a whole different dynamic with the balk and so forth. So, you know, on the surface, it looks like there's a few rule changes, but I think on the, uh, you know, underneath the surface and nuance, there's going to be a lot that's going to uh, change the game, and, and it's going to look a little bit differently. Do you like the pitch clock? I like the pitch clock. I do like the pitch. I think the game does need to be sped up. It's gotten to a point where, you know, yeah. there's just too much downtime with pitchers that take a little bit too long, hitters that don't get in the box and so forth. I do like that dynamic of it. Some of the other things I'm not thrilled with, but you know what? There have been some rule changes before that I wasn't thrilled with, and, and I kind of became okay with it. You think shifting will change how, how you do lineups and – and acquiring players, because now it seems left-handed hitters are going to get get some more love here. What do you see the difference with shifting? The part I like about the shifting is, in theory, 
we'll see how everybody plays it out. I mean, they might move some outfielders around and do things differently, but I, I don't like the rover out there in right center field. So I'm fine with it. Be fine with how many players on one side of the diamond, and, and you're going to be able to have more than four infielders. If you want to take somebody from the outfield and put them in the infield, you can do that. But I think the thing I like the best about it is there's no softball rover out in right center field taking some of those hits away from the left-handed hitters. Marcus Simeon. How many times did we have Marcus Simeon out and right? We did. And, a lot. And, yeah, we did. And, you know, <laughs> and, 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 and you look at that, too. So we had yeah. Jay Cronenworth out in right field quite a bit this year. And the year before, it was Manny Machado. So I think we took a little off Manny's plate this year because we did some numbers on how many times he had to go run out there into a shift. And this is a guy that plays 162 games, yeah. you know, 160 games a year. Over the course of the game, you're talking about six, seven, eight hundred yards in, in having to run out there. So I think we took a little off his plate this year, too, that he was uh, he was appreciative of. But Jay Cronenworth did a, did a good job doing the Marcus Simeon thing out there. What were your thoughts to your beloved Cal Bears and the Pac-12 when you heard USC, UCLA going to the Big Ten? I, I still hope that doesn't happen. It just doesn't seem right. It doesn't feel right. I mean, the pack's the pack, and it's always been, you know, I, I'm a little biased. I grew up on the West Coast, and it's really the only conference that I pay any attention to. So without those schools, and it just doesn't feel right. Hopefully something transpires between now and then, and it doesn't happen. If it does, it's kind of a sad day for for, for as big a sports fan as people like I you know myself and you that yeah. grew up watching this things the rivalries with you know Stanford and the Arizona schools and the in the Southern California schools it's just it would be a sad day for me it's just not you know in October falls Saturday morning waking up for that big Rutgers USC <laughs> or Maryland UCLA game just for some reason doesn't seem right right and those probably don't get uh, watched as much certainly in the Bay Area so you know even if it's you know you know you talk about Cal State Stanford, whoever Cal plays, whoever Stanford plays. But, you know, a lot of focus on who USC plays and who UCLA plays and the momentum leading up to those games and, and knowing, okay, we're playing – Cal's playing UCLA today and that's going to be the focal part of my day. That that would be unfortunate. How is – have you checked in on the Cal Hoop program, your beloved Cal Hoops? Yeah, I have checked in on them. They're going to get a win here pretty soon. Um, <laughs> off to a little bit of a slow start, but I think they're pacing themselves. Are you still a season ticket holder? No, I, I unfortunately not because I'm just um, you know more Arizona now in the off season. Yeah, but uh, I follow them for how, sure. How is the golf game? Uh, the golf game right now is better than it is during the season. I'm not playing much during the season. Uh, playing a little bit more in the off season now, so my handicap's not too bad right now. Oh, you are a sandbagger. That is unbelievable. You're not you're not a plus anymore? No, I'm not a plus, and I'm trying to drive it up even higher than it is right now because I know you're going to come to town pretty soon. You're going to want to play. Well, it is great to see you. Hope all is well with the family. Uh, and obviously we were rooting like you-know-what for you down here. We wanted to see you in the World Series. I mean, it, that was, you know, to watch your run, I mean – what you do with a baseball team, we understand. We lived it. We saw it. We saw the success that you had in Oakland. We've seen the success that you had at the other places. But uh, this was definitely something that um, I think you can really build on. And not going to be shocked if next year you're seeing a lot of the same. I know you're going to have big expectations. But without a doubt. I mean, it just makes you hungrier to get to. It's, it's awful that the season ended the way it did. 
but I think it made everybody hungry and realize what's what what this team's capable of. So uh, we look forward to getting spring training going. Happy holidays. The next time we'll see you is in the Valley of the Sun. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. You know, this was a uh, a lot going on, and and you know, with the winter meetings being here in San Diego, and and Darren Feeney, who's who's in charge of my schedule, made sure, and I wanted to, and I told him we got to get on A's cast here at some point in time, so I was, I was happy to be able to do it and see you and Cody again, and thank you very much for having me on. A's fans, the great Bob Melvin right here on A's Cast Live. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Rajay, what's up, man? How are you? Come, come here. Come here real quick. Former Oakland Athletic. We always loved him. Rajay Davis, how are you, my friend? Things good? Put on the mic real quick. Put on the mic. Yeah, let's get this out of your way. How are you? How have um, you been? Awesome, awesome. And just enjoying the... The the whole you know winter winter meetings experience you know really for the first time um, to this capacity right it's far different like it's like all the baseball people get together it's yeah. it's it's like this bizarre conference but it is every everybody in the game is here yeah and you, you, you it's like a reunion especially you know for us former players yeah you know, we get to you know see a lot of the guys we played with and just kind of reminisce a little bit. You know, but the some some of the good old times, uh, you know, just playing in the game and some of the things we could have we would have changed. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are you doing for Major League Baseball now? So, we, we, we personally, I'm basically um, helping to bridge the gap um, between you know the clubs and 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 the players and and the commissioner's office, um, working on field operations. Um, so we, we, we deal with you know a lot of the the, 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 the rules and, and the and the um, you know just kind of getting feedback from the players with the rules and you know those kind of things just to seeing make sure um, if, if, if players and coaches and managers have concerns or, or you know issues that they that they're dealing with with the clubs um, <clears throat> or, or or even ideas of how we can grow this game make it better. You know, that's where that's what I come into the to you know the, the clubhouses. I'm visible. Um, I'm, I'm constantly at you know City Field, Yankee Stadium during the season. So so I'm available, um, especially to to our to our ball clubs. I, I I just have a feeling that let's let's say that was me, and I went in. Players are going to look at me and go, "Old man, get out of here." Yeah. But you being a former player. 
and recently have played, there's probably that trust factor that they can really be honest with you. And I, and, and I don't doubt with a lot of the kind of new rules that are going to go on, there's going to be definitely concern. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I, I can, you know, foresee, you know, a lot of uh, rules consultations, you know, just kind of just yeah. going over the rules and, you know, um, you know, with the players and, and whomever. We, we, we actually had um, um, a discussion with the managers this morning, earlier this morning, and, you know, that uh, that went relatively smoothly. So, you know, that was, uh, that was, that was good. Um, and, you know, we're, we're, we'll continue to, uh, you know, uh, move forward on that and you know obviously in the beginning it's going to be something different for our players and something they'll have to adjust um, but they're resilient they're 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 a lot of you know obviously major league players and they're used to making adjustments and they'll be able to make the adjustment so when you heard that you could only throw over to first base twice. Did you think about coming out of retirement? Yeah, that, that was a big, that was a big, that was a biggie. <laughs> especially, especially some of the strategies I'm hearing about now, uh, how you can really, uh, really take advantage of that, you know. And, can you imagine how many bases you would have oh stole? Oh it's it's um, you know, it's it's one thing when you can just eliminate um the 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 doubt of you know I got to go back, but when you get to the point where now it's only one thought I'm going this way one way Oof, that that makes it that that's a that's a separator right there I can tell you so we had Bob Melvin come over and then walking by Dusty Baker and then they both you know Dusty came over and the three of us were talking Dusty Baker's like first and third oh boy <laughs> like Dusty doesn't like it like Dusty's like this is bad yeah. like first and third you're going to have, like, easy guy going to second, run, score, like there. I don't know how long the rule will last, but that how this thing plays out. I think everybody's cool with understanding we need to speed up the game. Pitchers, you know, they've done the minor league, so pitchers will get used to the pitch clock. I think a lot of people are cool with no shifting. It's just this whole pickoff thing is going to be interesting. You know, the, the, the biggest thing um, – that Major League Baseball has done is done. They've done a lot of research. They've done their due diligence, and and their due diligence is from you know um, looking to see what the the fans want as from a business perspective, you know, and 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 the fans want action. They want action. Um, so when you get a first and third, mm-hmm. now you you got the potential to have some real action. It's excitement. It brings excitement to the game, and you know. And and that's something that teams are in and our and our clubs are are going to you know they're they're going to strategize and that there's going to be more strategies to 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 kind of you know, combat that and and uh, you know figure out ways to um, you know deal with those situations. But that that's um, that 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 might be a, a really good thing. Um, we we are hoping that this is going to bring some more um, excitement to the ballpark. Well, I'll tell you what, he was always a great pregame guest for me back in the day. And, you know, you were a fan favorite. People loved Rajay Davis. I know you had a good time playing in Oakland. Oh, I did. I did. Obviously, spent most of my majority of my career mm-hmm. in Oakland. Got most of my stolen bases in Oakland. And, you know, it was um, just a, a great environment to steal, you know, especially getting – um, encouraged by a lot of the fans that that would be there constant, the the, the faithful few that were there, um, you know, thank you, you know, just just for being there and encouraging me and um, you know being supportive of my career. How important is it, do you think, for Major League Baseball to have more guys like you 
who played the game, who recently played, to get more involved. We saw it, you know, gradually over the years. It was older players, but get young guys like yourself involved. That kind of helps bridge the gap between the players and, let's say, New York, the commissioner's office, and the powers that be. I think that's part of what you know this role is 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 doing and and kind of paving the way for. Um, to be able to um, be able to connect the dots um, and bridge that gap, and I'm I'm just thankful, you know, that um, you know uh, CY had this vision um, now with you know um, uh, as the you know general manager with the Rangers, but you know he's the one that you know first hired you know Blanco and and Nick Hundley, um, and then you know I came in later after them, so. Um, they 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 laid the groundwork, the infrastructure for this, and so I'm thankful um, for this opportunity to to be able to um, be in this position. You know, now now that we got the CBA done and we had the lockout, uh, let's end on this. Seeing all the money that's going around, baseball's in a good spot. It looks like it's real healthy. That's what it looks like. Yes, indeed. You know, and it's um, it's great, great for um, you know the players that are obviously receiving the 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 benefits of uh, a, a healthy game, and um, you know the the clubs are are giving the healthy uh, contracts. Um, so um, it looks like we're in a good place. Eleven years, <laughs> we signed an eleven-year contract. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean. We've been sitting here next to the Yankee people. They've been sweating and finally Aaron Judge. We, you know, Bob Melvin was talking about meeting with uh, Aaron Judge last night before he got on the plane to go to Hawaii. I mean, the numbers that are going on. Yeah, our game's in a good play. No, everybody always tries to sell a little doom and gloom. I think this winter meeting has, has proved baseball's okay. Yeah, absolutely. It, Absolutely. It's great to see you. Thanks. So we got to have you on again. Let us yes. kind of because these new rules, no shifting. I mean, the bigger bases. Yes. Let's kind of let, let, let's let's reconnect here in a little bit and uh, give us kind of a progress report. How it's going. Sounds good. And when you talk about probably one of the greatest things ever, former A's bench coach back in the day. Terry Francona is with us here on A's Cast Live. How are you? It's been a long time. It's been a while, but it's always good to see anybody that spent any time in Oakland knows how close the group got and it was it was one year but it my, the memories and the relationships seem like far more I know that year meant a lot to you in your yeah, career it did it really did um you know Billy Billy told me when I came there he said if we do well you're probably going to manage again and I remember him saying that thinking you know that's interesting and he was right yeah but but Maka gave me a ton of responsibility being the bench coach and we had a fun team you know with Hudson and Zito and Mulder and Chavi and the guys and Miggy it was a fun team but it was just a fun it was a real good learning year for me you know we just honored a lot of those guys the O2 team because right the anniversary and it's so funny and you, you and your family have been in this game for so long that the A's have always and still to this day run like a family business. We have people have worked with us. Keith Lippman just retired after 54 I years. Saw that, I saw that. Uh, Steve Vucinich after 52. It's just been that family atmosphere. And once you've been in that family atmosphere, for God's sakes, just a few minutes ago, your former player, now our manager, Mark Kotze, was in that seat talking about you. It's like when you've been around the A's, you understand it, it, it's like a family business it really is i can't i can remember so many day games where 20 of us uniform people not uniform people we'd head to this bar and we'd eat and have hors d'oeuvres and laugh 
it is a family atmosphere. Voos and the clubhouse kids. I mean, I still talk to those guys. I mean, yeah. it's it is. You're 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 completely right about that. You know, when, when I think about one of the greatest things about your career, and we can talk about awards and we can talk about championships, but Mark Kotze just brought it up. Uh, you kind of got like the Bill Walsh coaching tree going on right now. <laughs> you think of all the players that played for you that have managed, that have coached, that have stayed in the game, that are in a front office. How proud are you of all these young men who played for you, learned under you, and then are now a big part of other organizations? Uh, you know, I don't know about the learning part. I probably learned as much from them as, as they ever learned from me. I just think I think baseball's good that guys like that stay in the game because the money that's made now, they don't have to. But guys like Cots, Cora, Kapler, Cash, I mean, they're they're good for the game. They're hard to play against because they're smart baseball people, but it's really good for the game and it's healthy for the game. You know, we're always going to root for you, but this year, man, the way you guys played is a way that I think we all love. People who love baseball, we're so tired of the four-hour strikeout, walk, home run game, the three true outcomes. Uh, we, When you guys were in town, Stephen Kwan's a Bay Area kid, so we had him on the program. And it's just like the way you guys play. How proud are you the way your guys play? You guys played baseball the way baseball's supposed to be played. That, that comment right there made my day because I am proud. But – and and – our guys, I think, took a lot of pride, as they should. Because mm-hmm. um, you can't just do it sometimes. You know, do it right, you got to do it all the time. Through frustration, through good times, through bad. And we had a lot of young players. And sometimes when you're trying to find your footing, you know, in our league, it's easy to lose track of, I got to play the game the right way. And, and they did a really good – and you named Stephen Kwan. He is right at the top of the list. When we put this kid in our leadoff spot, we took off. And that's hard to do with a young kid in his rookie year. Yeah, but he, I mean, you guys make a lot of contact. And, you know, I think about the curse of Bambino. You help break that. You know, you could do that. If you could do that again in Cleveland, I mean, it's what, 1954 was the last time they won. Do you ever think about that? Yeah, I get asked that all the time. And I guess my answer is it's not really my fault or anybody that my dad couldn't get it done. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's it's hard enough to win now. Yeah. But to your point, it would be awesome. There are so many – Cleveland's a really – it's a Midwest, kind of where I grew up. I grew up about an hour and 20 minutes from there. It's a cool town. It's yeah. People are great. People are wonderful. Yeah. And I would love to be able to celebrate, let them celebrate. That would be really cool. Now, we've been doing that. We had Sam Fold on earlier today, former A, by the way, now the GM of the Phillies, and he can't talk about his new shortstop. You guys have just signed somebody. I know you can't talk about it, but adding the pieces and adding a little thump to the lineup, how big is that for you? Hypothetically, yes, we really are looking for somebody to be a connector bat, like, you know, a guy that can hit behind Hosey or, you know, hit, hit lefties, hit righties. So, hypothetically – it's guys, we're looking for guys like that. That's yeah. about all I yeah. can say without getting in trouble. Guy swings like Naylor, hits it really hard. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, but we're trying to, you know, we, we don't know what we're doing to catcher. You know, Hedges is, is a free agent, and so he's earned a right to look around. That's his right. Um, we love him. You know, we love his defense, mm-hmm. and we love the way he cares about the staff. 
Um, May Lee went to the Reds, so we're going to miss him too. So there's things that we need to do. We just can't put names with them yet. No, I, everybody's like that now. We totally understand. We just, we, Katze, we just signed a player we can't talk about. It's just a reality of the business. Uh, pitching from an old-school standpoint, you know, you've been successful with your starters. You've always been successful with your starters. For some reason, we've tried to get away from that. How much do you want to make sure you keep that going with the Indians? I mean, you Guardians. Know, no, yeah, I do that too. Don't, I know, don't I, get, I get yeah, scolded no, all the no, time. Me too, me too. Um, I, I still get caught wearing my, my Indian stuff sometimes. Somebody <laughs> say, hey, you can't wear that. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, you know, a couple things. One, I think we have a responsibility to put our players in the best position to succeed. If that's a guy pitching five innings, okay, we'll do it. We don't want to penalize guys, though, for being good workers. And and we've been so fortunate. I've been here, this will be my 11th year now. Our starting pitchers work their rear ends off. And I'm not I'm not talking about just now because guys like Bieber and Quantrill and, I mean, Savali and Plezak and, I mean, you know, uh, Tristan McKenzie. But it's going back to Kluber and yeah. Clevenger and – Trevor Bauer, those guys, I mean, they worked hard. So when the season gets to August and September, their gas tank wasn't on empty. So, you know what, we, we let them pitch. And you, I think they learn, they learn how to get out of trouble by going through that lineup the third time. And sometimes it pays dividends. Sometimes it doesn't. But you kind of live and learn. And like I say, try to put them in the best position to succeed. Did it bother you guys? Because I know we talked about it in the off season and – you know, our, our old closer is now with the White Sox, and everybody was just crowning the White Sox. The White Sox, and these guys are going to win this, and they're going. some people are like, they're going to win the American League, and they're going to represent the World Series. And did it bother you guys in the Central that everybody just said, oh, they're the team to beat, nobody else has a chance? No, because I actually thought they were pretty good, too. Um, you know, I really did. I thought they were good. And we kind of kept waiting for them to make that move. And we got into September, and they were starting to look like they were maybe going to – and we swept them in Chicago, and that really hurt them. Um, I think, you know, again, I don't think you can get too caught up in what the perception is outside of what your room. In that clubhouse, we felt like we could win. We had a lot of young guys, but I'd look in the dugout, and I'd be like, they're not backing down. They're okay. So, And that's what matters. So that's what we tried to keep it as. Let's end on this. Uh, this is the first time we've been all been able to get together. It was last time 2019 was in San Diego, too. And as somebody that has, Thank goodness. has so many relationships in this game, what is getting back and seeing everybody meant to you? I'm so tired of Zoom. Oh. I'm so tired of Zoom. When, when, when we play a game of the a national game and the announcers come in now, I'm like hugging them. Yeah. I don't like I like talking to people face-to-face. Part of what's fun about our game is the people in the game. I guarantee you, when I retire, it's not, I'm not going to miss the travel. I'm not going to miss the hotels. But, God, I love the people in the game. I mean, they're just special people. And I've told guys I work with, I guarantee you, I hold the record for being around good people. I guarantee it. I've been everywhere I go. I've been around fantastic people. And just like we were talking about the year in Oakland. And I feel so fortunate for that. 
Well, when, when that time comes that you retire, you're still going to have to travel to Cooperstown. I guarantee <laughs> that because they're going to they're going to put you in the Baseball Hall of Fame. It's rightfully so. And, and I know this, that uh, so many people still talk about you out west out here with the Oakland A's. And it was just one year, but they talk about just what you meant and uh, what a class act you are. And we're always going to be pulling for you. And we can't wait to see you during the season. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for your kind words. I feel the same way. Thank have, you. Have a great Christmas, great holiday. Thank you so much. You also. Well, you always love to have the big-time decision-makers in the game, and Derek Shelton, the manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates, joins us here. And just want to let A's fans know that, you know, as he sat down, we were talking about our beloved Ray Fossey. And your father used to – they grew yeah, up together. Yeah, so my, my, my dad and Ray grew up in bordering towns in southern Illinois. So the whole time growing up uh, – you know, we always heard the stories about the, the Legion ball battles or the Little League battles that, that my dad and Ray had. And, and I think as we were talking coming into it, when uh, coming into Oakland, it was my favorite part, doing the pregame show with him yeah. and being able to sit and talking to him and listening to him and Vince. I mean, uh, someone that's sorely, sorely missed and, and definitely affected me because, you know, for a long time uh, when I first started as a young coach, he was he was even a mentor to me as, you know, a broadcaster. He was a wonderful human being. The Marion Mule. Back the, at the, yeah, yes, very, very Marion, Illinois, very, very good call. I remember when he was so excited because uh, we didn't realize that Illinois and St. Louis have like a joint Hall of Fame, and he was going into this Hall of Fame, and it was like a big deal. Oh yeah, and and Ray, and Ray, you know, Ray is so proud of, of his roots, and uh, yeah, he, he, the, the one thing that that Ray made everybody feel special. That he did. That he did. And I think that goes back to, you know, why, why he so deeply affected me when I was – I started as a young hitting coach in Cleveland, and, you know, he had Cleveland yeah. ties. And, and just the conversations, uh, you know, for a guy that, that uh, w was learning the ropes of the big leagues, he was extremely helpful. And I think, like you said, in your whole fan base, uh, someone that's extremely missed. Yeah, there, he was the one guy that – married the 70s with the current all the years Ray was either player or broadcaster so he was a he kind of tied the bow for everybody and uh <laughs> he will always be missed you know with it we would just had the general manager of the A's on David Porce and I think you guys at Pittsburgh Pirates you guys are kind of in the same boat and right now it's looking to get better my my question for David same thing for you is these three days how do the pirates get better these next three days well i think you know we we listen and we and we see what's available but a, a lot of it is being able to to be with our group and, and to talk about our young core we're, we're very similar to to oakland that we had a lot of young players that we were able to get major major league reps to last year and there's nothing like major league reps triple a yeah. in the big leagues there's so much of a difference and the one thing that we were excited about is our good young group of core players we were able to get a lot of at bats and a lot of innings for well yeah and and you know the thing that when you look at getting better it's like decisions that are made now, like people, they may not be the most exciting decisions, but for someone like you, it gives you more to win games. They may not be the sexiest, but they give you a shot at winning games. Right, and I think that's the one thing we have to look at is what's best for, for each individual you know, organization, what's best for the A's, what's best for the Pirates. And then the most important thing, and I think your point that you stated in the previous question, is how do we get better? Yeah. And once you get better, you'll start to win more baseball games, and, and that's what our focus is. 
Carlos Santana, I couldn't believe this. MLB had had this, like, since a certain date. He has played more games than anybody in Major League Baseball. Because you were thinking, hey, maybe it's Paul Goldschmidt, maybe it's Freddie Freeman. I didn't realize what a workhorse that you're getting. Yeah, durable guy. I mean, he's a kid that I that I've known for forever. I mean, I was in Cleveland when we when we traded for him, and someone that we really targeted this off season. And, and it's, it was important for us to get a, a veteran guy like him. We need to stable up uh, the first base DH spot. Hits from both sides and is an unbelievable guy in our clubhouse. And we have a lot of young latin players especially a lot of young dominican players and to add someone like carlos into that group who we know is going to post every day that was extremely vital for us and we were excited to be able to to make that move i don't know maybe it's because i'm getting older i'm just kind of excited about how we're starting to like older players again i think older players provide value in in a certain way and to your point if you can find a, an older player that posts every day like yeah. carlos does and still produces and then now we're talking about a guy with the the way the rule changes have come into play you know it's going to be advantageous for him that you're not going to be able to put an infielder 30 feet into the outfield so there's a lot of positives that kind of steamroll this into this being a really good move for the pirates are you happy about getting rid of some of the stuff like shifts well i i think it's going to be unique i i don't remember a time when I was in the game when we weren't is, you know, shift oriented. I mean, I worked in Tampa when I think we, we started to. <laughs> you guys were the we, devil. Yeah, we you started, made this happen. <laughs> we started to create it. But I'm, yeah. I'm interested with how the rule changes are going to affect the game and then how the rule changes are also going to affect, you know, how you build your rosters and, and what you do moving forward. Yeah, I mean, some that are, I mean, the pickoffs. I mean, that, I don't know if that sounds a little crazy to me. We'll see. But a lot of the stuff I like, I like the bigger bags. Let's see if it gets more running. I think bang-bang games, bang-bang plays at first is going to change. But the number one thing for all of us, especially if you work after the game, pitch clock, speed it up. Yeah, pitch clock, I think, and I think that's where people are looking this weekend of, of how it's going to be, how players work. We're fortunate in probably the, the A's and the Pirates both with having a bunch of young players that come to the big leagues. They will have played within this pitch clock. They yeah. will understand it. It's going to be the veteran players and how they react to it. And that's where I think we're going to learn a lot about it in the first two months of the season. It's definitely going to speed up the games. We've seen what AAA games, you know, what the pace is. And the length of games have never been anything that's really bothered me. But the pace of games, I think, are the things that, that are the most important in you know, we feel like we're going to be in a little bit of advantage because we've had a lot of players play within those guidelines. That's a great point, especially for your bullpen guys, because we're so used to 100 miles an hour, then you wait 30-something seconds, 100 miles. Now it's you got to get and go. you got to go. you got to go. So I, th I think it's going to be, you know, not only – how you do it, how the starters recovery, how the health's going to be built into it. There's a lot of factors that after this first year, I think we're going to have a sample size to be able to build off of. You know, you got a kid that uh, first time I saw him play shortstop, I went, man, you got a power forward playing shortstop. This Cruz kid is pretty unbelievable how hard he hits the ball. Like when you talk about his skill set, the greatness of his skill set, like, like, can you compare it to anybody? No, you really can't. You, you get enamored with, you, you know, in the game today, we can track everything by stat cast, so how hard he throws the ball, hard he, how hard he hits the ball. 
the thing we're looking for, O'Neill, is just consistency. And, and one of the things that we're doing it, he's kind of a unicorn because of the fact that he is so big and he looks like an NBA player out there. And we have to realize that some of the mistakes he's going to make are just because his body has to continue to learn how to work, especially with his footwork, throwing airs, things like that. But uh, this kid is special, and he does things on the diamond that are special, and we're really excited that he's a pirate. Let's end on this. I think we're very similar organizations with tons of history, tons of pride. And that's something when Mark Kotze came on board last year and his first message, I got to hear it to the team uh, about who, who, who we are when we go out to play. And I think about the great city of Pittsburgh and I think of all the great players, the Hall of Famers. When I was growing up, how many, I mean, you know, competing against them for all these years. Uh, just what does that mean when you tell the guys, hey, Pittsburgh, being a Pittsburgh Pirate means something, and we're playing for this great tradition? Well, I think it means a ton. And, you know, one of the first initiatives when, when I got the job was the 21, and, you know, we, we were able to wear 21, and now all yeah. Puerto Rican players are able to wear 21. So th that's really important. But our players, knowing the history, knowing, you know, about Stargell, knowing about Parker, uh, knowing, you know, everybody knows about Roberto. Those are things that are important, and I, I think we have to make sure that when you have a rich history like that, you continue to embrace it. The 79 team is literally like the first team I remember as a kid. So I remember Kent to Colby, and I remember all these guys. Like, Pittsburgh Pirates baseball was huge. I mean, I, I, grew, up, I grew up here in San Diego, and I remember when Willie Stargell used to come take BP. Pops and the Cobra, Dave Parker, obviously won a World Series with the Oakland A's. I mean, there was greatness. There was a lot of greatness coming up. Yeah, there, there was. We talk all the time about if there was stat cast for Parker and Stargell because, you know, Stargell's one of the few guys that did a ball out of Dodger Stadium. Yeah. What those would look like. <laughs> uh, you know, so that, that, those are conversations we do have. But, but I agree with Cots. You have to embrace the history of your organizations for young players, and, and they have to know what, you know, the pride of, of wearing Oakland across their chest or Pittsburgh across their chest means and, and continue to build on it. Well, as we get out of here, my man here, Cody. Cody, come on. He's he, Pittsburgh. We, we already talked. There yeah, we, I know. Yeah. So let me know. We follow you because of him. That's we, awesome. Yeah, in Oakland, we're, he's talking about you all the time. <laughs> we're following you all the time. So Well, I look forward to seeing you guys during the year this year. We play you guys. I'll so be there. I'll we'll, be we'll, there. Be, we'll be in good shape. And, and you got – we, we kind of think you may have the best ballpark in the game. I'm very partial to that, too. I, de <laughs> I definitely think we have the best ballpark in the game. There's nothing better than, than our skyline, our scenery. Uh, last year, the Clemente Bridge was under construction for the whole year, so really looking forward to that tarp being off. And, you know, it's a, uh, it's a beautiful place. Well, thank you so much for the time. We know you guys are busy, and they got you moving all over the place. I believe you've already had your press conference, right? No, I'm getting ready to go do that right you now. you got to do it so, right now. Hey, yeah. thank you right, so thank much. You we appreciate much. it. Yeah, I always like talking to the skippers, and we are going to be out here out west, Pittsburgh Pirate fans, no question. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. And here's our guy, Tori Lavello, the manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks, former Oakland Athletic, of course, and NL Manager of the Year as a coach, a World Series champion. And you know, because <laughs> the last time we were here in 2019 where we got to meet you, yeah. we become Diamondback fans and we follow you guys. How have you been? It's been a while. First of all, I appreciate that. It's always good to spend some time with you. Um, you know, obviously, 
I passed through Oakland and played for Art Howe many, many moons ago. Uh, Oakland has been very special to me since that time. So uh, everything's going good. Everything's going very good. I think uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks have had a couple lean years. Uh, we're moving in a very positive direction, and there's a lot of energy inside of our organization. How about this? We just honored the 02 Moneyball team, right? It was oh, the 20-year anniversary. Yeah. Or how it was there. Yeah. We passed on the story about your birthday in Toronto. Oh, my we, God. Yeah, and yeah. he laughed. Yeah. Was, so we brought you up this year to the great Art Howe. You got a good memory. That's pretty good. You can pull that together in, in a quick uh, interview with Art Howe. Um, nicest, I do, nicest man oh, ever. A beautiful human being. I do remember, you know, sitting in there, he says, we got to send you out. And I wanted to basically say, hey, look, I have a big birthday party planned after this game. You're killing me. And, and he was very empathetic. You know, when you can align with a player the way that he did, uh, it goes a long way. I'll never forget Art. He was, a, he was a good man. But, yeah, when you get your heart ripped out on your birthday and you get sent down to the minor <laughs> leagues and the boys are planning a birthday party for you, there's nothing good that comes out of that day. You know, the thing I, that I like about you guys here, everywhere I look there's rumors about you guys doing something here. Well, yeah, I, I, I think we're, we're in a very good position right now. We have some young players that are taking the next step to become a very, very productive Major League Baseball player. Um, and, you know, it reminds me a little bit of what the A's do. They have a couple, they, they have a couple really good years, and then there's a little bit of a sell-off, and, and some of the younger players, the understudies, develop, and, and you, they start to win more baseball games. And it seems like that's their pattern, and, and we've done that over the past couple years. So, yeah, the front office I know is fast at work. It, it's not anything different than what they normally do on a, on a given day in the middle of a baseball season. They're always trying to get better. They're always trying to improve the talent level and bring in the right guys that are going to help us win championships. I'm not going to mention names. It's so funny. No one can mention names right now. I mean, we had Sam Fold, former A on, yeah. the GM of the Phillies. Yeah. He can't talk about signing Trey Turner to 11 years. Yeah. Uh, we've had some A's people on. We've signed some guys. We can't talk about this. But there's been some rumors out there that you're in the hunt for one of the shortstops out there. Well, yeah, rumors could be rumors for different reasons. Um, I know there's probably a connection to Xander Bogarts. And, and I didn't want to mention the and, name. In our front office for natural <laughs> reasons because – uh, you know, our front office was responsible for bringing in Bogey and putting him into into the baseball world, and um, it's, he's had a great career. So I think there's just a natural connection because of of him signing at 16 years old and Amiel Sade being being the, the the architect of bringing in Xander. So um, you know, I don't know exactly what's going on inside of our war room. I go up there, I check in a little bit. Uh, of course, there's conversations. There's conversations inside every war room. I think our, like I said, it doesn't change today because we're we're all in San Diego in one spot. Uh, we do this during the course of a year, but they don't give me any information because when I get information, I can be dangerous. Yeah. I can say the wrong thing to the wrong person. So I think they've learned a hard lesson. So they don't tell me anything until it's really done, and I like it that way. Well, we've been seeing a lot of interesting stuff as the Aaron Judge thing has just gotten yeah. hot. You know, Aaron Boone was just over here with the Yes Network. We had our Giants buddies over here yeah. from NBC Sports Bay Area. And uh, you, you start to get that sense, and something's going to break. But once that breaks, a lot of things are going to happen. But the one thing that, you know, whether you get that guy, adding a veteran can't hurt. Adding right. a veteran, a guy that's got World Series rings, leadership, whoever it is that you add, it sounds like you guys will add somebody because you've got a lot of young talent. Right, you're hitting, you're hitting the nail right on the head. With some of the requests, some of the thoughts that I had when the season ended, uh, and it, it was universal, the front office felt the same way, you know, having a veteran presence inside of a clubhouse with very youthful players is a necessity. And you're in a great spot right here, right? You're between. You're We're between, seeing everything. Yeah. So when you see a guy that's yeah. six foot five walking, you're going to know something's going on. But, um, 
you know, it's just the nature of the game. We have different organizations going in different directions. They're going to the two teams that you're potentially talking about are going to spend over three hundred million dollars. We don't do that. We can't do that. And we love that challenge. We embrace that challenge. And you know what that's like in Oakland. Um, and and I already mentioned that we're the same way. But you know, having a complete roster, having a team of team full of players that plays the game the right way, uh, that conceptually goes out there and does it together is the most important thing to me. And when you can have some veteran leadership that could just you know sprinkle a little bit of salt and pepper on a very very good situation already it's going to taste and act a little bit better you've got some tremendous athletes right now in the outfield mm. talk about what you got going right now in the outfield because you got young and you got athletic and boy that's a great combination yeah especially with what's going on with um the the limited throwover and the bigger bases we feel like we're going to be able to exploit some teams and and steal some bases and create a little bit of excitement but uh you know it's just it's been designed that way by amiel sade and dirk ladnier uh that bring in our young players our young talented players through draft and they are starting to show up, and they're very, they're very fast, and they're very gifted. Uh, and we've got an abundance of outfielders, you know, left-handed hitting outfielders that play the same game the same way with, with, with a very aggressive mindset. And it's a good situation that we're in. So, you know, the way I look at it right now, they're all going to play. Um, the off one might DH, depending on the, what the matchup is. But when you're in that situation with, as a manager, from my seat, when you have good players that are that athletic and they're that good and are, that are on the come, uh, it's a lot of fun to go out and make a lineup out. You know, I, I know now everybody's <clears throat> used to it. You know, we're an American League team, right? So yeah. DH, we always like, the worst thing is when we played a National League team and you guys start double switching and yeah. it was like my yeah. scorebook's a mess. Yeah. How nice is that a manager? You can go, I'm just going to DH, DH him tonight. Yeah. Good question, right? Um, I could fall asleep for the first five innings, right? You don't have to worry about any double switching. When the pitch starting pitcher comes out of the game, now i got to go to DH. work. It's just enjoy the ride for the first five innings. Um, I, I think it creates a little bit more offense, and Major League Baseball is looking to be a little more, bit more diverse in that area and try and create some offense and excitement for the fan. And we get the fan perspective. I, I feel for the fans sometimes when the, the, the boring parts of throwing over or mound visits um, – or double switching comes in ball, comes in play, but uh, you know Major League Baseball did a good job with that. They're making adjustments. They're trying to speed the game up and add a little bit more offense. What do you think about all the new rules? You excited about it? Yeah, yeah. I, you know I, I'm very traditional. Um, my my grandfather used to sit down with me and we would watch the NBC Game of the Week, and he would he'd explain to me the ins and outs of why things were happening. And I love baseball because of what I was taught from my dad and my grandfather. Uh, 100% the reason why I, I chose baseball the way I did. So uh, I'm traditional at heart, but I understand the need for change. And Major League Baseball is doing a good job of making sure that our fans stay interested. That's the most important part of this equation. Um, so we'll adapt to them. Sometimes they're a little awkward. Uh, and the instant replay in 2014 was a whole new ball game. I can't imagine baseball without it today. So we'll all get used to this. I think about you and, you know, it, Oakland's the same way, right? You win for a few years, then you got to reset. Then you win for a few years. But the number one thing from when you're winning to you're not winning and you're back to winning, you never change that culture. Correct. You always have the right culture. You have the right message. Everybody's pulling on the same rope. Yeah. And everything that I've learned about you is that's what I hear. You are about making sure it's done the right way. When did you realize, man, this is how it works, whether we're winning a bunch of games or not, we're going to do this? Yeah, well, it's easy when you're winning. The culture kind of creates itself, and everybody's got each other's back, and it's just built in. Winning kind of masks everything. 
it was I was really challenged after, during the 20 season, the the the, um, the COVID uh, pandemic shortened season. Uh, you know, the concepts weren't working. It was shortened season. We probably would have won more games had it been a full season. We didn't. And then 21. I, you know, I, I just, I was held to the fire with what I believed in, and it made me question a lot of what I stood for, and it made me curious to, uh, you know, think about, like, am I even in the right sandbox? Um, but I stuck to it, and I told myself, this is who I am, this is what I believe in. I believe in a good baseball player. I believe in a tough baseball player. I believe in a baseball player going out there and giving 100% effort and caring for the brother, your brother that's sitting right next to you. I'll, that'll never be non-negotiable uh, situation for me. And effort and, and you know, coming through and expe expectation and believing is the most important thing to me, and I'll, I'll never come off that. But it was put to the test in 21. We won, we won 52 games. When you win 52 games, you start to doubt a lot of things. But last year was a good year for me. We're on the right, right track now. Now you're built for this sandbox. Don't I, kid yourself. I appreciate you that. I mean, everybody, yeah. everything we get, everybody talks about the, the great things. And it's kind of like, you know, we learned that over the years with Bob Melvin. You can't, you got to stay the course whether you're good or bad. You have to. Yeah, you know what? I had a chance to, to talk up to Bo Mel through a couple of different changes and transitions that we were making as an organization. And that's what we do. When you have a manager like Bo Mel, um, and I know he's not with you guys anymore, but uh, I, I consider him a great ally. When I'm looking to get some information and find out a little bit about myself, um, I, I, I've reached out to some managers inside of this game, and Bo Mel is certainly one of them, and he's been a great inspiration for me. Yeah, he'll be here tomorrow. He's been a good friend, and uh, that's what I think. It's, it's also great to hear that you guys communicate because it's, you know, I think about the time where people over here will talk about what Bruce Bochy has meant to people or yeah. whoever, you know, because at some point you'll be that, you're that veteran guy, right? right? Soon you're going to have a younger manager saying, well, you know, Tori told me this, because yeah. that's, you, you guys need to help each other. 100%, 100%. And it's happened a couple times, and I'm like, why is this guy calling me? We won 74 <laughs> games last year. And it makes you feel good. It kind of yeah. validates that you're doing yeah. things the right way. But it could be something as harmless as, you know, uh, you know, how do you guys get together on, on road trips versus, you know, what are your core beliefs and some of your philosophies? So we compare notes. There's a lot of managers that talk to one another. we got to keep pushing this game along. And we know that, uh, you know, do it right, do it, do it the same way, uh, and do the things that you believe in every single day is very, very important. Well, one of the greatest things ever was when you joined us on a Zoom. And a lot of people are like, yeah. I don't want to deal with that. You were like, I'll do Zoom, and that meant a lot. But ever since we met you here at the winter meetings, hard to believe it was that many years ago, yeah. we are D-back fans. Thank you. We're rooting for you. Got take down the Dodgers and the Padres and right. those damn Giants. Yeah. We're rooting for you. So good luck to you. And the good it. thing is we'll see each other now every year. Yeah, we get to play you guys every year. I kind of like that restructure a little bit. When you talk about the rule changes, you know, we're in a very rugged NL West. We can kind of step outside of that a little bit. So, yeah, it gives you a, little, a chance to see everybody every year. So I'm, I'm super excited about that. But I appreciate the support. Love the time I get to spend with you guys. You hear me reference this show on this show constantly, whether I do it on the talk show or the pregame show, the post-game post show, in-game, whether I'm doing it on NBC Sports California, TV, radio, streaming. I'm talking about you all the time, and I've told you. It's me? Been, yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah. I mean, one of the cool things is is that we're back in the same spot. We got to really meet you. We've had you on the show, but we got to meet you last time in 2019, finally face-to-face. -face. It's good to see you. It's sad that when we haven't been able to see you, but yeah. it's great to see you. It's good to be back. Right, and you, uh, you're you also, uh, like, on the leading edge, also a show on the vanguard. Yes. So, I, like, you guys pay attention to the latest in the industry, as we do. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've been doing that all week with the Hall of Fame, too. We just talked to Susan, you know, part of, part yeah. of the, you know, the inner, inner circle of voting. So, yeah, I find all that stuff 
fascinating, and it's great to see you too. Yeah, the good thing, I mean, you know, what, what, what we started here, and we're still the only team in baseball to do it, is mixed television, radio, with streaming video and audio. And that's why I think about your great show, MLB Now, which I reference all the time. Mm-hmm. I steal from you all the time. Feel free. Uh, I, I love it. Are you <laughs> kidding me? I told you I got teenagers watching your show now. I'm helping your demographics. Uh, thank you. So, I mean, that's the thing, and that's where our sport is going. And, and the A's have always been, as you know from the history, going back from Philly, Kansas City to here, always leading a new – didn't always go right, but always trying new <laughs> things. Uh, I've been curious about – we just talked about the Hall of Fame, and it's like, my God, I remember I was in high school in 1989, and the Pete Rose, Bart Giamatti signs mm. off. We've had a black cloud around. I've been to the Baseball Hall of Fame three times. It's amazing. But I'm thinking about the kids who are growing up now, and all they hear is he can't get in, and he can't get in, and he can't get in, <laughs> right, and he can't right, get in. Right. More guys can't get in than can get in. And then now, you know, you got chilling with politics and everything, and then here comes Beltron now with cheating. Yeah. And yeah, that leads yeah. me to, my God, what, in 13, 15 years we're going to deal with this with Altuve and Bregman? Mm. I mean, we're going to have this cloud of who can't get in for probably over 50 years <laughs> with the baseball. Well, and we're, you're also going to have failed drug tests left and right. That's always going to be some sort of issue. It's a management thing. But you're right. That's what struck me with this Veterans Committee ballot was it finally hit me that, wait a second, here's a chance to, like, break away from this stuff. It's a constant, you know, it's a, do you rationalize bad behavior? That's what it comes down to. Like, okay, um, you hear, well, this guy, he, he failed to test, but, you know, is, but he only failed one test and he was a great player before that. Or this guy, he never actually failed a test. Or uh, I think Bonds and Clemens were great players when they were skinny before they got on this stuff. Okay, but no, and then Schilling, the same sort of thing. Well, is he as bad a person as he seems on social media? And the answer is no, right? Like, he's yeah. a bit of a bore, but he's not, he's not that same guy. His social media persona is much worse than the actual person. Most everybody will tell you that. I know Kurt. He's not a bad guy, but, but yeah, on social media, it brings out the worst in him and in a lot of people, right? But all that, that to me, when I looked at that list, was everybody here, including like Rafael Palmero, Albert Bell, you're wondering, can I rationalize bad behavior or do I reward good behavior? And there was a clear choice for me, McGriff, Dale Murphy, Don Mattingly, to just feel good about baseball. Yeah. You're right. It hit me that, wait a second, here's a chance to feel good about baseball, feel good about the Hall of Fame, and not lessen the standards at all. Mattingly's the best player in baseball for four years, best hitter in baseball for four years. Del Murphy's the best player in the National League for six years. Not one year, not two, not six months, six years. So to put those guys in, they're peak Hall of Famers. They're not like, the, they don't have the longevity, uh, but very few guys actually do. I thought it was just this clear choice. I had the exact same feeling you did. Like, man, we're always having these ethical discussions. How about we just feel great about baseball? And there's a reason why guys like Mattingly and Murphy are beloved by their fan bases. They, they're everything that's right about baseball. I, I was really hoping one of them would get voted in. I'm thrilled Fred McGriff gets in. Excellent. So I'm happy with that. But this was kind of along those lines. Yeah, here's a chance. Can we feel good about baseball and not be talking these ethical dilemmas and they cheated, they did this and that, right? Beltron is next. Yeah. Uh, did you hold him to the fire? Tired of it, right? I'm, I'd much rather, like, can we celebrate what's good about baseball? And with Fred McGriff, we can. And I think in the future, Mattingly and Murphy should go in as well. I grew up here in San Diego. 
I watched Dale Murphy on TBS. I had a poster yeah, all right, right. of Don Manley. Remember was, the machine, even the pinstripe? That's I what mean? it's like. Those guys were like like Fred McGriff. I tried to explain. It's like, you know, for, for kids now, like history gets condensed, right? As you, as you get older, you look back and you say, hey, your vision of this guy, this that was not the vision at the time. Fred McGriff was not some also ran. Fred McGriff was the man. Yeah. <laughs> Fred McGriff was the man. And I, I did this. I hope you saw this on the show. I ran the numbers in their 20s. Fred McGriff was every bit the hitter Barry Bonds was. I saw, yeah. Skinny Barry was the, about the best player in baseball, if not the best, and yet Fred McGriff could hang with him. Uh, runs created all the, 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 the analytics. Yeah, Barry was a better fielder, better base runner, but you know what? Fred McGriff was a postseason monster, and Barry Bonds had real issues in the postseason until he was on the stuff in his last year in the playoffs. So you want to tell me who would you rather have while they were in their prime? I would take Fred McGriff. That's over Barry Bonds. So I'm not making excuses. He's a nice guy. I want him in the Hall of Fame. No, he's as good a player, and you know, without the baggage. So I would, you know, if you remember and if you saw Fred McGriff play, you absolutely thought this is a big, big guy. Oh, my God. He led the league in home runs in both leagues. No one had done that. Right. We hadn't and seen that. And every time there was a big – remember, the trade deadline, he was the guy. Free agent market, he was the guy. He wasn't – you know, it's like like Adam, like Aaron Judge's this year. That's yeah. the way Fred McGriff was spoken about on the free agent market. Ask the Giant fans about Fred McGriff going to Atlanta. Was that? Remember when they – Oh, the, they, oh he ran them down. Oh, my by God. The, way, he the ran, Giant I, fans I, hate Fred McGriff because of that. And he ran down Barry and the Giants. Yeah. Ran them down. Beat him by – he slugged, I think, 600. Did he have – I'm trying to remember the numbers. Like, was it 55 RBIs in 68 games? Oh, he's it was a, a monster. Mo- yeah. 93, 94, 95. McGriff was dominant, but the strikes screwed up that year. He would have been the MVP. Uh, he was a beast in the 93 NLCS. I think he slugged – he had like a 500 on base, slugged 700 against the Phillies. They lost, but he was a monster. And then when they won the championship – he slugged 600 at all three levels of the playoffs. The Braves do not win, even with all that Hall of Fame pitching, they do not win a World Series championship without Fred McGriff. Meanwhile, Bonds and Clemens were known as guys who had real problems in the playoffs. Do you remember that, too? Oh, yeah. Until they were, fans know that until about they were much later. Yeah. yeah, and Clemens got reps with the Yankees and everything else, but who knows, he probably had help. Everything else, like suddenly, oh, God, these guys are playoff performers. But while they were actually playing in their prime, Fred McGriff was a much better playoff performer than those two guys who now I think the new generation looks at and says, oh, they're the greatest players in history. They truly were great. They were, if they had retired at 31, didn't do steroids, they still would have been Hall of Famers. I'm not denying that. But as far as they're held up as these all-time greats and Mattingly, Murphy, and McGriff are nice little players, no, 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 not true. Not true at all. No, if you lived during that time, Donnie Baseball, as you mentioned, he was like Tony Gwynn, but the best power with, with hitter. Power. With power. Right. the best power hitter. You know, I, I know that we're not electing Mary Poppins into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> and one of the reasons why, you know, having worked in the National Football League, I know some of the best players aren't the nicest guys in the world. And I was saying, you know, earlier, you know, the greatest player I ever saw, Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor doesn't get into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Ray Lewis, for what's happened with him, doesn't get into the Baseball mm-hmm. Hall of Fame. Think of this, the other sport you love, the sweet science boxing. A Mike Tyson or somebody, if it's baseball's morality, a lot of these guys don't get into these Hall of Fame. You know what? I don't get – I look at this specifically. Baseball has the, the tradition and the history of a, of a long-running, long-established Hall of Fame. Uh, and as has been pointed out many times before, there's a lot of rogues that are in there, a lot of bad behavior uh, that, that of guys who are Hall of Famers, Ty Cobb, Rogers, Hornsby, right? There was a lot of guys involved in lots of different things. So it was seen at the time that, hey, we're, we're kind of you know basing it on uh, the merits of their on-field play, except when you cross an obvious line. 
do you know Shoeless Joe Jackson was never banned from Hall of Fame consideration back in the day, back in the 30s, 40s, really? and 50s? I didn't know that. It didn't even have to be said. Of course, you, done. Of course yeah. you are not going to vote for Shoeless Joe Jackson. And I understand why uh, they made the move on Pete Rose. I understand. Like, uh, did it have to be forever? I wish it wasn't. But as far as these guys who actually, you know, it, taking steroids isn't like, I don't know, you had like a, a DUI or had a one bad day or, you, you know, it's not like you took a pill one day. You're on a surreptitious regime year round to become a better player and get a competitive advantage, and you have to do it in the cloak of darkness. You must do it on your own, by yourself. You must do it without anybody knowing, and you have to lie about it the rest of your life. So we're going to honor that. Like, I, I know there are guys who did it, probably who were in already, but you can't stop everybody. But the guys who took the most advantage of it, look, they beat the system. They got paid. They got the accolades. They got the MVPs. They got the Cy Youngs. But this is about being honored, bestowed the highest honor in the sport. You know, I liken it to, like, I understand if a, if a cop joins a corrupt precinct, right, on the police department, and he's surrounded by guys on the take, and then he ends up being on the take, too. I understand it, but I'm not going to make him policeman of the year. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, so, I, no, there's a difference, and I know the new generation, the kids out there that didn't live through it, can look at it now and say, come on, everybody was doing it. You're going to ding this one guy? No, no, no. Not everybody was doing it. It was wrong then. Ben Johnson was the biggest story in all the sports. It was 1988. Google a it, everybody. Long time, <laughs> long time, the fastest man on the planet, right? 1988. And he was punished. It was like, oh, strip him of this. And he was shamed and banished yeah. and all that. It's 1988. So everybody knew it was cheating. They knew it was cheating. They beat the system. doesn't mean you have to honor them. All right, quickly, I know you only have so much time. We got some deals. DeGrom came down. Obviously, that's a lot of stuff's been going down the AOS, right? I mean, Verlander's yeah. now leaving, going to the Mets. Trey Turner gets 11 years. Yeah. What do you think so far of the meetings? It's crazy. I mean, these are big, big deals. But we knew that I think the competitive advantage, you know, we're into that always. The A's, like the history of looking for competitive advantage. Um, it's something that we call in economics return to scale. The best return to scale now is at the high end. I thought last year's be best deals were uh, Max Scherzer, Freddie Freeman, the high-end guys. Normally, each year, I'm look, I'm scouring the lower-end guys. Like this year, I still like Mitch Haniger, Jerks, and Profar, players like that. But where are you really getting the return on your investment? It's at the high end. Only five teams spend more than $200 million on their payroll. If you're one of those five teams and you are playing in a different neighborhood, you have less competition, actually. Like, how many teams can actually be speaking to Bogarts and Turner and Carlos Correa? Not that many. So you have a chance. They, look, I thought that was what the 11th year was all about. Dave Dombrowski's in there saying, we can do this for this. It's massive money. Oh, they're going nine? We'll go 10. Oh, they went 10? How? This goes to 11, as they said in Spinal <laughs> Tap. This one goes to 11. 11. No one goes to 11. We yeah. just did. Boom, sign this deal. So that's what it takes. Like the big players, if your ownership says, look, man, I don't mind $200 million. We can push $300 million. You're going to be in the market for some of this prime talent. Let's end on this. You have the most unique show in baseball. And what I love about it is people either love you or they're mad at you. They're but mad you, at me? But you know what they're doing? <laughs> they're talking about I you. I didn't know this. I heard this. They're mad at me. No, that's all right. They're talking about your show. Uh, I hope I, so. I mean, when you designed the show and what the show has become, is this how you saw it evolving, what it would be for us baseball fans? I thought when I started this show on MLB Network, and I didn't even pitch for the show. I just said, here's all the things we should be doing. And they said to me, the, the brass at the time, 
do you want to do your own show? I was like, oh, okay, we could do all this. And at the time, remember, there's a real schism between the new age and analytics and the old school. Now it's all blended together. So I just try to do the smartest show possible. And I thought thought every TV network, every sport would be doing a show like this. Like how is... Like, my ver- is a version of my show not in the NFL or the NBA. But okay. Uh, no, no one has that vision. So MLB Network had that vision. We do this show. I call it for the thinking fan. Uh, but I'm rooted in the real world. You know that if you yeah. watch the show. And that's what I'm talking about. Character and guts and grit. But there's ways now that um, the vocabulary is a little more expanded where um, I, can, I just mentioned Jurex and Profar. Grit, guts. How's his process at the plate? How are his at-bats? You know, how, ma- how many pitches does he see? Um, how's his contact? How's his discipline? How's his O swing percentage? We can measure a little bit of these guys who actually grind it out. You know, like the old phrase would be, this guy's a gamer, he grinds it out. We can quantify that a little bit better. But you first see it with your eyes. You'll watch a guy like Profar, another Padre, Hassan Kim, and you'll say, I like this guy's process. This guy battles at the plate. And then you start looking up the numbers and you find it's it's valid. So that's what I do. And I, I expected the rest of the industry to do it, but I don't know. Not everybody's equipped. It's hard work, uh, but it's the way I view the game, and I think most the most of the industry now views the game in exactly that way. I watch it every single day. I, I can't tell you how many times I'm pausing because your 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 graphics. <laughs> yeah, I to mean, slow it down. I mean, <laughs> this is this is my research right here. He doesn't come up as so I'm. I, I mean, we take stuff every day. I mean, we want to be. I like that. Take get that full screen. Use that full screen. <laughs> I, I want to view us as not only entertaining but one of the smartest shows in baseball. I think it's how we've grown and gotten better and. We, we use your show a lot. And Thank it, you. And I, I greatly biggest, appreciate uh, that. the compliment I can give you. I, I met a woman today down by the coffee shop. I was with my producer, and she said, can I take a picture with you? I said, yeah, absolutely. And she goes, although you are my nemesis. I go, how am I your nemesis? <laughs> and she says, she goes, well, you do the show for the thinking fan. I don't want to think. I'm like, I'm your nemesis? But then we took a picture. I think she was all right. But I, that, that's what happened to me just here today. Well, I'm, the, it, I'm the nemesis. Okay. The, sh- the show works. <laughs> it's my favorite. It's great to see you again. Thank you, you too, so man. much. Thank you. Great seeing you, too. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, folks, I got to tell you, it's now become like the highlight of our winter meetings the past couple of years because we haven't been able to see him in the last couple of years. He is the Hall of Famer, and well, we want to say congratulations. I appreciate that, Christopher. What I, a big deal. Chris Russo, the Mad Dog, congratulations. We're just not talking like a sports radio Hall of Fame, the Radio Hall of Fame. That was important for me. That's a it's good a call. big deal. Uh, I went out to Chicago there that weekend. Uh, I did not go to the middle three of the World Series because the Hall of Fame was a Tuesday night. I had I bought three tables. It's a very tedious night. There are ten speakers, and it started at 7:30. It's a cocktail and dinner. It started at 10 uh, at 7:30. Okay, I was the sixth speaker. I got on at 10:15. <laughs> I mean, it took forever, and I was going to. They said five, five, you know, I, I had Stephen A. Smith do the induction. So they said, Chris, five to eight minutes. They told me that the week before. Everybody went forever. 
I said, I got, I told myself, I got three people here. I wrote a speech out. I got three tables here. I can't go five, seven minutes. These people came all this way. So I did 17 minutes ad lib and got out. That's what I did. Well, I remember when you enjoyed it. I remember when you were gone because Moses, your producer, who helps us out all the time here. I don't know if you know that. Moses is great. Yeah. He's a great guy. And, and I was like, where is he? He's like, oh, he's at the Hall of Fame. I mean, when you get into our industry, you never really think about something like that because you think of the medium, radio, and how long it's been in the United States of America to that at some point in your career you'd be recognized as one of the greatest in this medium, this medium that's got us through the worst of times. It's gotten us through wars, depression, what radio was meant to, to, to the United States, to this country, to the world, and to think that you got into that Radio Hall of Fame just was there time just to sit back and just oh, go, absolutely. my God. Oh, absolutely. They called me on July 25th. I had just lost a terrible tennis match in doubles and an inter-club match. I was all upset. <laughs> I drove home. They called me, and they said, Chris, we got good news for you. So, yes, that meant a lot. And I was very surprised. For my fans, it meant a lot. Yeah. For the Mad Dog Unleashed radio fans, it meant a lot to them because of the fact that they feel part of it the last 14 years at SiriusXM. You know, FAN is going to be, you know, that, that's where I, my, my chops at FAN, I understand that. But the fans at Sirius, it was very important to them. And they did, uh, Sirius, you know, Sirius did a good job. They bought a table, and Sirius paid for all the expenses for folks to get out there. And the other thing is, Sirius did a two-hour tribute the five days before that. And we did two hours. We had a, a lot of people on. People did clips and everything else. You know who let off the 5 o'clock hour live for 10 minutes? Letterman. They, you are good friends with Dave Letterman, yeah. I, I, if you get Letterman to do it, and he did a radio skit. And he came on, he did a radio, he did a TV skit on radio. So that tells you that it meant a lot to a lot of people. So I didn't know that was going to be the case before the whole scenario started in July. So from that standpoint, you know, it made it feel pretty good. And I felt good about the speech. I did a good speech. So that was good. Well, anyway. I mean, you, you have the generations that have grown up with you from the sports radio in New York that really became national. And I remember watching you when they put you guys on Yes Network. Right. And then now to where, where you took that bold leap to go to Sirius XM, you know, kind of Stern was the first one to do it. Right. Because I actually was with CBS Radio to replace Stern. I remember that whole thing. And then now kind of we're all in our new mediums. Sirius XM's not a new, but when you did it, that was still kind of something where. It was a risky move. 2000 and th- uh, it was 2008, and that's, you know, 14 years ago now. And, you know, although Howard got there, and I think he got there in 06, that was still a risky move. Now, I wouldn't have done it. If not for Howard and Mel Carmerson, because Mel Carmerson bought Infinity. He was my boss for a long period of time, and I trusted him. But that stock got the one penny that fall of 08. And so John Malone and Liberty Media bought out, you know, went halves with Mel. And, of course, the company has been what it is, you know, ever since. But the I took a chance. I was looking for something, doing a little something different. Mike and I have been together for 19 years at WFN in New York. This was an opportunity. Mel gave me a channel. Uh, he gave me five years guaranteed contract. He said, Chris, do what you want. So, you know, as far as the channel is concerned, do what you want. You're in charge. He gave me a budget. I had to do it. It was, the, it was 48 years of age. It was sort of the back nine of my career, starting the 10th hole. If I was ever going to take a chance, 
that was the time to do it. It was time for change. So I, I'm glad I did. It was, it was, at that time, it was risky, but it, was, it turned out to be the right decision. Well, you took the chance, and now uh, you're getting the green jacket in the butler cabin after no, that's, what that's you guys a nice way to say it. Yes, <laughs> Jim Nance is not handing it to me, nor is last year's winner, but that's a fair point. Good job on your part. So I, I think about how much people need to understand that when you're on SiriusXM, and you know, we, we love the baseball channel and Channel 89, we love your channel. We talk about it because we, we use a lot of stuff from you guys. Is, is you've got to cover all sports, but then now you're doing TV. But how do you do everything and then go, okay, let's just do the baseball TV show? Well, the baseball TV, it's only an hour. You do it in segments. There's about six segments you got to do. I have Alana Rizzo, who yeah. I know is going to do a segment or two every day as well. Uh, I can talk into a camera. It's, you know, I can set the show up with a 10-minute monologue, which is easy enough. I've interviewed a billion people over my life, so if you give me, I had A.J. Predator to start the show today. You give me a guy, I know what to ask. So that, that really is not that difficult um, to do that show. Um, you know, I, I think the, I, I think on the radio is not difficult either. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I was born to do this, to make a long story short, and I know how to connect with the fan base, and I've done the radio for so long that I can do it in my sleep. The TV is a little bit of an adjustment, but it's not as big a deal with the baseball because, A, it's, you know, not as much as it used to be, but it's still, you know, my favorite sport growing up as a kid. I know the history of it pretty well, and baseball is very good with history. So I can break down the 68 Tiger Cardinal World Series. Yeah. You know, I can break down the 51 Giant Yankee World Series, and I can break down the Yankees in 26 losing to St. Louis. So if you can do those things and the Hall of Fame and Ruth and Garrick and DiMaggio and all the Yankees scenario and all the great players, Williams, if you can do that, that's half the battle with the baseball. So the baseball is not that difficult, not as hard as you think. Now, I'll say this. Every day in the wintertime, it's a little trickier because, remember, you're doing 220 shows a year, and that show is not just during the season. It's during, you know, once that season's over and the World Series is over and this is over, you know, this is over when? Tomorrow. So I will have basically between December, let's say the judge signs, we get that out of the way. Let's say I'll go from like December 15th to March 15th with not a lot going on. And that's a lot of shows. So that is when it begets, becomes difficult because you got every day for an hour for three months with no baseball. So that's when it becomes a little tricky. But overall, it's the gift of the gab. If you have the gift of the gab, you can do it. So I'm okay with it. You are the best guy to ask. Obviously, everything in New York and also being a Giants fan, I've been saying this. All right, all this stuff with Aaron Judge. You can tell me all you want about he grew up liking Rich Aurelia. I start thinking about the Wall of Fame. You want to be on the Wall of Fame with Hunter Pence and Marvin Bernard? Or at the end of your career... You want to have that monument with those guys you just mentioned, Ruth, DiMaggio, Garrig, Reggie Jackson, Derek Jeter. I, I, I just I can't imagine leaving Broadway, leaving the number one show. I agree. I, I respect San Francisco. It's our market. It's, I, I'm actually kind of crapping on where we live, but I'm like, you want to be on the wall with Hunter Pence and hang out with Rich Aurelia, or you want to be a Yankee, which changes not only your life, but – your, your kids, your grandkids, your grandkids' kids. There's only one say. Yankees. Uh, I, that was what I was thinking throughout the offseason. I did not think he'd leave. This Time Magazine story that came out in the last couple of days about how he always wanted to be a giant and the fact he wasn't happy with the Yankees when they announced what he 
offered him back yeah. in the beginning of the year at $212 million. He thought they put him in a tough spot. So based on those two comments, I'm a little less um, confident that he stays with the Yankees. But you're right overall. The Yankees, there's no baseball franchise like the Yankees. He just hit the 62 homers. It's Yankee Stadium. The fans love him. Uh, you know, they're in the playoffs every year, which the Giants, you cannot say. I know they won three championships, and the Yankees haven't done that since the Giants won the three. But the Giants are sort of good one year, bad the next. The Yankees are good every year. Uh, I, I, I still lean to the Yankees, but I'm a little less confident now based on what I read in the last day or so on the Time magazine. A little less confident. Who are the Boston Red Sox now? Yeah, that's true. they got to spend some money. I mean, Bogarts and Devers, you know. Uh, you know, Phillies are out of the Bogarts issue now. We all thought maybe that was a possibility with uh, Dombrowski. So that could be a situation that now is out of play, which helps Boston. But the Red Sox got to stop treating their franchise like it's the Tampa Bay Rays. And that's the thing. You know, I know Bloom came from there, and they want to sort of do it that way and not spend billions and still be good. They got Devers and they got Bogarts. Plus, they got other issues with the team anyway. They could use some more pitching. They have to realize to be a competitive team, they got to keep that left side of the infield together. That's going to be a very interesting decision. Because they're they're on the verge of if, being obsolete. If, if if Tampa is good, if they can hold on, they might be a yeah, little fifth bit. Fifth best team. Baltimore is better, too. Baltimore, they're at the bottom of the division. The Red Sox were charging the most for tickets. You could make that argument. And I, I, I think that they will be shamed into making sure they keep those uh, both Bogarts. I know Devers is not a free agent yet, but I think they might be shamed into doing it um, because if they do leave, do le- let Bogarts go after they let Betts go. Now, Betts was never going to sign there anyway, but the fact they didn't engage with Betts with a contract, if they let Bogarts go, that's going to be a major problem in that town, in that division, with the Yankees there and everything else. They will get killed, and I think they don't want to stomach that. So I think down deep they'll find the money, to be honest with you. One team we're not hearing a lot about, and I talked to my buddy who works for the Dodgers. He just said, man, everybody was so stunned. They lost here in San Diego. They just didn't envision this is how the season was going to end. He says, still, everybody's walking around in a malaise like they can't believe it. They've got a lot to do. Whole left side, center field. Pitching with Walker Bueller yeah, being done. I mean, they have issues. What what what, what are they doing? What what, what should they be doing? Uh, I don't have the answer for you, but they, uh, you know, I don't know. Do they make Lux the shortstop? I don't. Do they go out there and get Correa? Um, you know, I don't know if they want to do that. We thought maybe they get Verlander. The Mets beat him to it with the forty-three point three million. Uh, you know, they sort of got hurt with Bauer, and obviously they certainly got hurt with Scherzer to a degree, so maybe they shied away from that big pitcher. But the Dodgers have some problems. They got a lot of questions. You know, both, Turner, both Turners are out. I guess, I guess they're going to play Lux at short. They could put, uh, you know, they got Muncie still sitting there, but they let Bellinger go too. They got issues. But one thing about the Dodgers, they have resources, farm system, a good GM. Uh, they got plenty of money, and it's a great place to play. You're going to hear from them before too long. You'll hear from them. I think about the Padres and the report coming out that the Padres want a shortstop. And they also gave, they offered Turner all that money, $341 million. Tatis, Machado, Turner, still got to sign Soto. Is that just proof that everybody's cash rich? Uh, You know, San Diego, and uh, the only team in town, beautiful ballpark, owners got money, got a good TV contract. I don't think the Marlins are rich, the Pirates aren't rich, the Reds aren't rich. But, you know, teams like the A's aren't rich. Uh, you know, I don't know what they're going to do with this ballpark either. No. But uh, they're going to get—they're going to get out of Oakland. They're going to be in Vegas. 
changing the subject. I'd be shocked if they stay in Oakland. You know, Manford told me at the World Series that, you know, it sounds like he was very indicative of them going to, to Vegas. I hate to do that for the fan base in Oakland. But I, I, the, the, there's money in the sport. And they're spending it right now, $300 million on Turner. And what did you think of 11 years? Too much for me. I wouldn't have done that. I was asking everybody here, where are you going to be in 11 years? Uh, who the hell knows? I'll be retired. I'll be 74 years of age. That's You'll still I'm be doing. playing tennis, though. Uh, I will. I know, yes, I will be. But at 74, if I'm doing this, I'm nuts. No, I shouldn't say that because I love the radio. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a lot. But there's a lot of money in the sport. You're right. The Padres, they offered, you know, Turner a fortune. We shall see. We shall see. Yeah, I was just I was shocked by but that. Be, but the Dodgers will be heard from. The Dodgers are not going to go quietly into the night. The Dodgers are going to be heard from. They are going to spend some money. They have something up their sleeve. They're too good. They have something up their sleeve. I don't know who. You know, maybe Bogarts put them at shortstop. Maybe they can make a run there. We'll see if. Uh, but, you know, the problem is a lot of people think a lot of these deals are going to go by the wayside now because they're going to start with Turner in 11 years, and none of these other teams are going to go 11 years. Yeah. So maybe the Turner thing ruined a lot of deals because now these agents are going to want to be where Turner is, and nobody's going to give them that money. you got to keep that in mind, too. Let's end on this. The one thing that I've seen with the Houston Astros, and, of course, being our division, we talk to them all the time. We see them all the time. You know, they could – they're great at saying, you know what, you cost too much now. They spend money, but you cost too much now, whether you're talking about a Carlos Correa, a Garrett Cole, we'll go find something else and still win. And they're smart and they're good at it. Yep. Very good. I think of Correa. And everybody's telling me, 28, how great he is. I just, Is everybody all in? Where are you on Correa? Uh, he's overrated. Thank you. Because I'm like, if he was this great, we wouldn't be doing this dance again. He's very good in Shorts and postseason play, you like him on your team. Because he's a good postseason hitter, hits the ball out of the ballpark. He's very good there. But over 162, and what he's got to be, post, you know, he had 20 homers and 60 RBIs. I mean, can we take it easy? Yeah. So, from the standpoint of an everyday basis with him over a long season, I don't count on him. Plus, he's got back issues. In a short series, he's very good. But the problem is, Minnesota's not in short series. So, I'd be very careful about him. Well, I, I've said this about A's cast, and it's funny now everybody in our industry kind of knows what's going on. Uh, when, when I left Terrestrial Radio to start this, and we've now kind of turned it also into TV, I thought about you, and I thought about you leaving WFAN to go uh, Sirius XM. So it, it was kind of one of those, you know, it can be done, and sometimes you do need to make change in your career. And, and I, I know I've told you that before, but – you know, I was so happy for you getting into the Radio Hall of Fame because for guys of my generation, you inspired us. I appreciate that. To, and you inspired me to do something like this that continues to grow, and that's why I was so happy for you to go into the Hall of that's Fame. That's a hell of a job. You guys are the best. You know I love coming on. Keep it going. These conversations happen at NBC Sports California, and they have this. They have the unbelievable talent that is the multi-talent of the great Brody Brazil. I'm sure the contract negotiations are, are not easy. They're probably unpleasant as Brody deserves a lot of years and a lot of money, and you let them know that you deserve a lot. I mean, you're kind of like the Aaron Judge of cable television. I asked Stu to be my agent because he's done that before. Correct. And Stu says, I will not be your agent. He can't get you enough? <laughs> he's like, I have no leverage here. I've got a bad product to deal with. Good morning. How's it going? How are you doing? Uh, my first winter meetings. What do you think of our, uh, our, our little world here? So you guys have a good setup. There's a lot of standing around here. Have you noticed that? And, and you, it, your guys are busy, right? But I even for and, me to get here. And, 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 and everybody's on the phone acting like something's scrolling, going on. Scrolling, looking around. Yeah. And you know the other thing, too, is how many of us 
really only know each other from seeing each other, you know, or conversing on social media or seeing each other on a screen or whatever. So then when you see somebody in person, it's like you get that weird, I know you, but I don't know you. And I know your face, but I, I don't know you. So there's all these awkward interactions, at least personally speaking. So <laughs> there's a lot of catching eyes with people and you're like, do I, I, do, I, I do know you. Wait, we don't know each other, but I, I know of you. So, uh, yeah, this is... Um, I guess if we get, like, some blockbuster news, if we get that judge news, I'll be interested to see what this place looks like. But as for now, until then, <laughs> it's a lot of standing around. All right, so two th- <laughs> so 2019, the winter meetings were here. Yeah. We were in the exact same location. Okay. Yes Network was in this, the exact same location. Uh-huh. Yep. And that's when Garrett Cole signed. What was that like? Like a bomb went off. <laughs> You you would have thought the president of the United States was coming through, and here comes the Secret Service. I mean, it was. Was just, there a motorcade involved? It, it in was this? pandemonium. Ugh. So if that go, if the judge thing goes down, it will be it, it will be huge. I know you got a lot of uh, uh, people that from NBC that are here. Our, about gi- that. our giant side. Hey, how do how do we feel about all this? We look, let's just be honest. Do we care? Do we want him to be a giant? Do we want him to stay a Yankee? Do we do we want him in the opposite league? Just get him out of that. Do we want him in the Bay Area? Uh, Is that just another shadow we're going to have to live under? Yeah, for, uh, I don't want him in San Francisco. Let's years. be honest. I don't want him there. He's 31, though. He's not going to last 15. <laughs> but I don't want he, – he's going to dominate the coverage for, like, the rest of 100%, our career. 100%. 100%. Because we will retire, right? Actually, I'll, uh, I probably won't. No. I got to. If, if Korak's point. not retiring, I'm not retiring. I'm just, I'm just, I look at it to where the last thing I want to do is everything about every, every, every moment, everywhere I go, I don't want to be about the Giants and Aaron Judge. Yep. I, I like it when the Giants are not good. Can I tell you my biggest disappointment so far? I, uh, I tried to secure a Rob Manfred interview. How'd that work? <laughs> one sentence reply from Major League. Actually, two sentences. I think the first one was cordial. Thank you so much for your interest. We appreciate you. you know, coverage, da-da-da. The commissioner will be unavailable. That was, how many words that? The commissioner will be, five words. Well, what would be great is, is you've done, you've been doing a great job, by the way, with your YouTube channel interviewing the potential mayors. Yeah. And now we have a mayor. Shang Tao. Yeah. So how do you feel you've got Lauren Taylor was the favorite. Right. Didn't and he ac- win. He actually had more, if, if I'm correct here, more votes, but in ranked choice voting, that's not the way it works. It was so tight. Like most so close. first place votes, but he didn't win the Heisman. <laughs> you know what? I never thought about it that way. <laughs> right? But it, it is, and that's why it took, what, more than a week to figure and sort all this out. I mean, and, and it really was razor thin, the margin of, of, of how she won. But, well, look, that's the way it is, and that's what happened. Everybody's asking, so what does that mean for Howard Terminal? First off, we should all establish Oakland has some other issues it needs to resolve, and, and a new mayor or just any mayor has a lot of responsibilities in that. But as for the piece of the pie that we care about, the ballpark, the negotiations, so she's somebody who's not even been in the the conversation, in the direct dealings with the baseball team and the city. She's allowed staff to do that. That's how all city councils are uh, members are. But now when she gets to the point of being mayor, she will be hands-on. So it's yet to be seen how exactly she will guide this. Obviously, Libby Schaff, did a lot of the heavy lifting to get the process and the project to at least where it is now. 
Um, I do think Shang Tao is motivated to do this. I think Lauren Taylor was maybe a bit more polished on what he said, how he's how he talked about Howard Terminal versus how Mayor Lectow has done it so far. But I don't I don't want to take anything away from you know her motivation to get a good deal done and to get good things happening in Oakland. So I'm, I'm, it's not it's, it's a different thing than what we've been used to, but it's not a bad thing. One thing that's really interesting about this. And a lot of people, you may not know, you don't care. Brody's been doing a great job keeping you updated on this. Hang on, hang on. You, you keep going, hang on. So has, uh, so has Casey Pratt, our buddy Casey Pratt's done a great deal. Yeah, bust that out. Bust that out. Most people have no idea what the well, here in San Diego. Anybody know what this shirt is? But to us, this means something. Anybody know what Howard Terminal is? Nope. Is they don't know. infrastructure money. Oh, yeah. Infrastructure money. It's a sexy pl- conversation, it's play- by the way. It's playing a really big, because the money that's going to be for this project, if the project doesn't go, right, they don't get to then say, well, we're now going to take this infrastructure money and we're going to go somewhere. No, they lose the infrastructure It's scholarship money. money. Like, I'm giving you the money to go to pick, pick a fancy school. San Jose State. <laughs> Harvard of the West. I think that's only about five grand a year. But, okay, but I say. Stanford. T- oh, well, now we're up the road a little bit. All right, what is that, 40 grand? So I say, Townie, if you're not going to be a Cardinal, I'm taking that. If, you, if you're going to go to San Jose State instead, you can't pocket the 35 grand a year and use the five for tuition. You have to use it for the ballpark uh, and the project. I, sh- I should take it back. This is not necessarily only for the, the ballpark. This is for the neighborhood. So you're right. And the only criticism against Oakland is that they've been working hard to get these grants from the state and federal levels. And, you know, was their time better spent elsewhere? Was there an opportunity to work on other things? But this is important, too. And I think the bottom line is this is the hard way to do it, to ask the federal government and the state for money. But this is happening, and it's made progress. It's still got a ways to go. But this is, this is the biggest bottleneck right now of how, how they're going to pay for everything surrounding Howard Terminal. Two things. You mentioned, uh, well, we talked about the commissioner a second ago. You know, Gary Bettman of the NHL showed up to a, a, a city council meeting in Tempe when they had the vote last week to get the Coyotes their new arena in Tempe. I'm not going to put all, and, and this is the reason why I wanted to talk to Commissioner Manfred. At some point, will MLB, I'm not even saying take sides, but will they put a little bit of muscle into this conversation? Will Rob Manfred show up? And and maybe the time has not yet come where it's necessary. Will he show up to an Oakland City Council meeting? Will he promise the the city, you know, perks that baseball can give, an all-star game, this or that, over over the years, just like Gary Bettman did? I thought that was very interesting that one league literally showed up for its team, you know, in in a big vote. And we've yet to really see MLB jump behind, obviously, what the A's have been pushing for in Oakland. That's a great point because they've kind of been the, well, we're going to talk to the national media. Well, we're going to kind of let you know, but where are, where are you in this fight? You've secretly, I mean, I can tell you they've, Manfred has secretly shown up for meetings in the Bay area when I've known he's going to be in town at different times. I mean, you're talking about don't, don't show up to the Jack London offices secretly show up. Put your face out well, there. Show up to a meeting. It's, it's kind of like, I mean, go back to another issue, and this was obviously not him as the commissioner, but baseball and steroids. Like, they, did they not know things were happening? Did no. they just go, well, just look the other way? And I feel like right now, with Howard Terminal so far, hey, let's let, you know, we're going we're gonna to pressure you. We're going to say, hey, we need you in Tampa to get your stuff straight. 
but we're also not going to tell you where, what to go, where to do. We're not going to help you. We're, we're just going to say you take care of it. I, I would love to see, you know, their their uh, input, their you know their their influence on this. You know, I walked by Petco Park yesterday, and it, I don't know why it never struck me before. If that place didn't get built in the early two thousands, would the Padres still be in San Diego? Like Jack Murphy was falling apart. What does that remind you of? San Diego lost the Chargers. San Diego lost a professional basketball team. What does that remind you of? San Diego and Oakland, different in many ways, but sporting-wise and what they did to keep the Padres. And now you walk around there, and they, have, they only got their first like real good season in that ballpark this past year. But ever since then, the atmosphere has been electric. Look at the buildings and condos and development that's gone up. I mean, it, it literally is a blueprint for, for what Howard Terminal could be. And I, it's crazy. I mean, I, I've been talking about this for months now, but when I just came down here and walked the neighborhood again, I hadn't been down in, I don't know, a couple of years. But it just it struck me all over again. Like, we're looking at literally the, the blueprint right there. Yeah, and what people need to understand, too, is that, yeah, it's a fight because down here in San Diego, there was opposition. It, yeah. it was two years. It's the reason why Tony Gwynn never got to play in the stadium because right. it got pushed back two years. Right, right. But the reality is the gas lamp, the gas lamp was always where the Super Bowl parties would be. Right. But once they built Petco, it completely changed downtown. Right. So when you have and I and I read the stuff coming out of Oakland and I hear what people say and they're but it's like you want to go, okay, if you don't want to just look across the bay at San Francisco. Right. This is a place that you can look at to say, okay, what happens if you build a new ballpark? What happens if you go all in, right. you make that commitment? This is a great example of what can happen to your downtown, to Howard Terminal, to that whole area. I mean, the fact that you'd be building on the port, which was never really thought of as a possibility, no. what that could do for it's, the city. It's and- hard to even get that approved. And quite honestly, that part of this process has already happened. The approval, the land designation like the hardest parts of this are already in the bag um you know what else petco park has right next to it dare i say (gasps) train tracks oh my goodness that's such a problem across them today that's such a problem and 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 look that is something the opposition just has as a as a tactic or whatever and it's been talked about uh i crossed them too yesterday back and forth i mean they they literally built that ballpark within uh, a baseball's throw of of a, of, a, of a full rail yard over there. So if it can be done here and it's it's lived on for almost 20 years now, I'm pretty confident we can build a replica, an it's, even better replica. It's almost like we need to get a bunch of Southwest flights for everybody in Oakland and bring them down and say, <laughs> look at this. Uh, no, this seriously, is, this is what we're talking seriously, about. Seriously, I okay. I made a video yesterday. It's going to go up on NBC today. I did a walking tour, and I'm not here to say that I'm rehashing all my material from the video. But please promote. This is no, your audience. No, I don't even. I don't. Even, I'm not this even. This audience no, loves you. I just want to give you Brody Brazil. I'm trying for to. Gi- I'm trying to give you the best thoughts and content and, and perspectives on it. And that's what this is, right? This is. You're right. This needs to be. This needs to be shared with people back home. Like they need to be reminded of what. While we're here, while baseball is here. Um, they need to be reminded of, of what could be possible and like what it looks like when it's done. Because right now, what we've seen renderings, we've heard this, we've heard that, aerial shots, you know. But like, let's see what it could look like when completed. You know, going back to my time with the Raiders, and I always dealt with this, and I say this a lot now with the A's, is you know when there's a lot of naysayers and a lot of people tell you why it's not going to be a good deal. 
I always think about, tell me why, if the team leaves, how it's good for the city. You, like I said before, do you think the Padres, you know what else I saw? On this date in, like, 74, the Padres almost went to Washington. I, I, didn't even know, I don't even know this story. And 74 no. was way before, you know, Qualcomm, Jack Murphy was outdated. But, like, had the Padres not been able to secure this spot, are they still in San Diego right now? Probably. Are they the Vegas Padres? Are they, did they go to Montreal, right? Well, at one point, the Padres, the Las Vegas Stars were the Padres long-term, yeah. long-time, I should say, triple-A yeah. team. Yeah. No, I mean, it's like they've, li- they've kind of lived what we're, go- we're going through right now. So, yeah. And, and, and you know where you can also put that, too? I mean, not too long ago when they were talking about uh, getting rid of franchises. Remember, they talked about Minnesota. Yeah, contraction. Uh, they, they, they worried about Seattle. I mean, look at Seattle. Look at T-Mobile, we will always remember Safeco. It's just not San Diego. It's just not San Francisco. Right. It's Minnesota. It's right. Seattle. It's all these different cities. Where, where you've built a ballpark, it has not failed the community. Right. Yeah, show me an example of where it went wrong. Now, it's gone wrong, I think, in, in the way some, some governments pay for it. They regret. I mean, but that's, we're, 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 that's on our table right now. We're, we're preventing against that. Like, that's, that's the whole part of this process is so that there are no regrets for the city of Oakland, right? To your point, yeah, as it's built out, show me an example of where it went wrong. There's not one. It's, it has gone wrong, I think, financially. But, that, again, that's, that's, the, that's why this is taking longer to get right so that we don't have, you know, that issue in retrospect. Is there anything, since you've been really – on this and investing, investigating this, is there anything that's out there that is just completely false, but the people who don't want the ballpark to happen just keep hammering this that we need to educate oh, people on? Yeah, there's been a few things, but they change over time, right? At first it was the port can't survive if you take away these 55 acres. And then, like, federal or, or – or, uh, Regional judges say, no, that's actually not true. Or the Port of Oakland says, no, that's actually not true. And then it's, well, the train tracks are in the way. And then they say, well, we can safely mitigate that. We've got examples. And then they say, um, it's going to take away money from Oakland schools. Or it's going to raise your taxes if you live in Oakland. And that's like, no, that's what an infrastructure tax district is. Like, it's going to pay for itself. So it's been one thing after the next, to be honest with you. I can't even pinpoint one. So it's kind of a moving target. But the good news is, and I'm, I'm, I'm telling you this, for those who are watching and saying, oh, my gosh, is this going to be another multiple years? I mean, I don't know the answer, but I'll tell you this. Look in the rear view. Look how much progress has been made. Two years ago, uh, we were not, this was not even on the table. I mean, this was, Howard Terminal was not a discussion for the Oakland City Council, for Alameda County Board of Supervisors. It was nowhere near important places. And now it's on their, on their doorstep. And it's been there for a while. I mean, it is frustrating to see, like, go back to the NHL. Those Coyotes get a brand-new arena approved in a matter of months. <laughs> Here we are years later. Oh, the, I, ti- the Titans uh, have a new football stadium I that's do, going up. I do understand the, um, you know, comparisons and, and the frustration in that. But at the same regard, it doesn't matter. Ten years down the road, if, if and when this place is all done, you, you will forget. You actually will forget how long it took. You'll remember it, but it won't rub at you the same way it does right now. And when, when you talk to people like Dave Stewart, who is so involved now because of what his project with Nashville and the Nashville yeah. Stars, they will get a team when we start doing uh, expansion in baseball. As we've talked a lot about on the show, baseball wants to go to 32 teams. But 
Dave, who cares so much about Oakland, he's from Oakland, he's from that area right around the Coliseum, and, and it means so much to him to really win. I'm doing the show with him, and I'm kind of picking, I'm filling in for you, and I'm picking his brain. I mean, he really fears for Oakland if this doesn't go. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it, it, people ask me, what would, what would you do next? Heck if I know. I don't really know. I've, I've tried to even not let my brain go there. But I think what you do what you do realize is that if it goes away, it's just not coming back. So that should be the number one thing that, you know, that scares people. Um, and, I mean, you know, even, even in the trends of people say, well, how's it going? I haven't heard anything in a couple of months. You kind of feel the trends of, well, I think it's getting better or, or some milestones happen. Or, uh, you know, you hear about maybe the fact that it, Shang Tao used the word unraveling at one point in terms of the city council side of, of viewing a, a deal and things moving forward. So, no, it's – I don't – you know, you it, it's drug on so long that I think people do get lost in the magnitude of it occasionally. And that's not – that's actually – that's not good, right? Because you get numb to it. You get numb to this conversation we're having. I mean, imagine if it doesn't say Oakland there on our backdrop anymore, right? Like, yeah, that's, that's a possibility. It's a, real, it's a real thing. I lived it. I was like the last Raiders person. I had the last <laughs> Raiders show. I was working for the team. Right. I did John Gruden on TV. I, bet you, I was I bet the you, last dude. I bet you Cody will go to Las Vegas. I bet you he'll go. He looks like a Vegas guy. Uh, believe it or not, actually, no. I've never gambled. Uh, I'm cheap. So money. I, no, I didn't say you get. I just said you look like a Vegas guy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I could buy a house. I will say this: my wife would be happy. We could buy a house for oh. a lot cheaper there. You'll well, be. Well, yeah. I mean, we're pro team. We go to Vegas. We go to Vegas. You'll I be, mean, you'll be penthouse on the strip somewhere. Uh, fans can't fault us. We work for the team, right? I mean, it is what it is. If the team's here, the team's here. If the team goes to Vegas, we go to Vegas. It is what it is. But we want it to be heat. When I say here, I mean Oakland, right, not San right. Diego. I know what you're saying. But, I mean, it's, it's, that's the tough thing for us. I mean, it's like we – and, and you, something popped up on your timeline, though, that I, I went back and watched. And Uh-oh. I believe it was from opening day where we still call Libby Chef mayor, right? Yeah, she's mayor in, until uh, January, I think, when Sheng Tao is uh, inaugurated. Okay, so it was opening day. Her and Dave Cavill raised mm-hmm. the flag. Yeah, right. And you did the interview. She was kind of at one point in the interview a little perturbed, and not with you, but no, probably with me. No, she it was it was she was <laughs> spot on. She she didn't want the city council to be able to pass the buck anymore. Right. If you go back and watch it, and I watched the whole thing, and she says this, she goes, "Listen, they all have full time jobs. They have full time salaries. Now, full time jobs as city council members. They've got full time right. salaries. Right. They've got a staff to help. They them have out. a full staff, yep. and they've got." everything they've got all these different people that they can go to she called them experts that they can go to yeah. to help them educate them that's true for howard terminal so here was the mayor on opening day that said there's not a city council member that can play this they don't know because they're paid to know they got people who are paid to know around them and they have they have access to experts who are being paid to give them the knowledge so when i look at this new mayor elect I've heard the interview. I, well, I, I watched the interview with you, and she's played the – I'm not saying she's bad or good or what. She's played the I haven't been a part of negotiations. That takes me back to what Libby Schaff said. No, your staff, you've had every – you've had ample 
ample people around you and information, you should know everything. You shouldn't have to circle back and figure out anything new. I'll, I'll stand up for Mayor-elect Shang Tao. She, the council members are just not part of the hands-on, like, we're in the room where it happens in the but moment. But they get updated on of everything. Of course, no, yeah. and, and she's not saying, <clears throat> Mayor-elect Tao's not saying, I don't know where this is at. She's just saying, up till this point, I can't give you a first-hand account of, like, what's really going on, what it's going to take to bridge this gap. I would also say, too, I mean, as we are here on the team's network, I also want to say that, you know, it, it, it's going to go both ways, right? The team and the city first have to come to a development agreement. And that's negotiations. That's not blaming one side or the other. But, you know, the, the team and an agreement is part of this as, as, as much as the city and an agreement are part of this. Um, so that's what's necessary. But I think smoothing it over, and you're right, you know, on, on the city side, there are obviously a few council members right now who are just flat out mediocre, if not negative, to the project. Yeah. And I won't even name them by name. If you follow this, you know who they are. I think it's they. It might. I don't know if I'm talking singular or multiple sometimes. There's at least one. There's two. There's at least one. There's and, and, and sometimes there's a second. But and I'm not here to talk down. I mean, this is why you have a council. Not all of them are going to be your best friend in this or are going to see it your way or whatever. Um, or, or it's the way politics works. They're, they are influenced by others to have their, have their position. Um, but I, 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 don't, I don't think the council, like if we're grading, like how have they done? To get it to this point, fair enough, right? A passing grade. But maybe to, and they're waiting for numbers. They're waiting for things to analyze at the same point. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to blame them, but yeah, it's hard sometimes to also balance what Oakland has on its table. Uh, crime, school stuff, budget stuff, police stuff, um, housing stuff. So it, I, I'm, I'm, I am going to take their back a little bit and say it's not been easy. But then again, how do other places do this so quickly? That's probably the question. Well, she promised you that if she did win, she would do more video. Uh, you with saw you. that part? Yes, I told you I watched. <laughs> I made sure that I I, know, I, I ended it. it with with her and Lauren by saying, "Now, uh, just want to establish here, I'm yeah. a sports guy, you're a politician, but if we could uh, be friends, you know, it's going to help both of us." No, no, look, I my my thing in all of this is I'm not, I'm I'm pretty clear. Like I have a stance. I'm 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 wearing a damn Howard Terminal shirt here at winter meetings. Anybody notice this, by the way? Probably, no, probably not. They, they you, like you're right. They don't even know what it is. But, um, but these people do, and your people do. That's all that <laughs> I know. But at the same, you know, at the same point, like, I, I just, I, I want to help people understand what's going on. You're right. This is complicated. I favor the project. Even when I talk to a politician, the mayor, I'm going to let her know, like, I favor this. So my questions are going to be along that line, but I also am going to be fair about it. Yeah. I don't want Oakland to get, I don't want Oakland to do this and get screwed and then, uh-oh, now we're, we're all the bad people for decades to come. I just want it to work for everybody, and I know it can. I know it can. Now, one thing that I thought about, and I don't know how many people watching this right now and are going to watch it, and they're going to worry like me, is that when you see Brody Brazil in San Diego during hockey season, mm. you kind of go, what the hell's going on? Who's manning the ship well, back with the Sharks? better question is, what's gone wrong with the Sharks' penalty kill? Look at Cody's ears perked up. Cody, there he what's goes. your answer? I mean, they were number one for a while. They were, Tony, they were killing penalties 91%. The next best team, and the, they were the best in the league, and they still are. Like, the Bruins were at 85 or 6. And then the last two games, five out of six periods, they allow a, a goal on the kill. It's just, yeah, it hasn't been good. Um, 
their season has been rough, but I'm I'm used to that these days. Yeah, we're uh, I'm, I'm mopping some things up lately. 102 losses in the baseball season. Frustrating hockey season. We're so having far. fun though. This is fun. Oh, the two parallels could be Ace to get the number one pick tonight in the draft lottery. Oh, is that Sharks, Sharks go get Connor Shark, Bedard. Sharks get Bedard, and there you go. The <laughs> Bay Area has two number one overall picks. You know what though? Like people have people have asked me, people have commented, like it's been rough for you. How how you doing with all this? And to be honest, I do care. But if this is as bad as it gets, I still love it. Are you still getting paid? Sometimes. Yeah, you know, that's why people are like, oh my God, you went through a long season. Sometimes. Like, yeah, the, the paycheck's still the same whether well, you want or you lose. Look, the work is harder, let's be honest. You know, and, and I don't, so people have said, well, is it, like, what do you guys talk about? I mean, that's us. How about you guys? You you are on for hours and hours at a time. What do you talk I'm on until 4 o'clock today. What do you, t- <laughs> what do you talk about when the, when the team goes, you know, in that rough of a stretch? Like, that's, that's the cool part about it. There's always something compelling, and we're fascinated by it. We're, you know, it just, when you are what we are, you're never bored. You're never you're never angry at it, even even at its worst. So, so you got that going for you. Yeah, I don't know. So uh, tomorrow's the next Sharks game. Uh-oh. There there are some flights that are between me and and Laura Britt, who's here covering the Giants because she's your backup. She's number one back backup on that. So I don't exactly know how it's. I w- I'm supposed to not do anything tomorrow. But if there's some Giants responsibilities, I might be over at the airport a few hours earlier. I don't know. I have no clue. I mean, there's a there's a third person involved in this backup. An hour before they drop the puck. How about this? Could I do it remotely from here? Let's let's do broadcasting of the future. You could totally do it from here. <laughs> we could I'll, we could set you up. I'll hop on Zoom and you know we excuse, excuse me WebEx and. Uh, you could easily do it. Yeah. Actually, the WebEx stuff that I do for the hits for yeah. this, I, I have it in my. Uh, do you really? I have it in my in our gear. Well, you could do it from right here with the A's background. It's uh, keep yeah. it in the family. Well, the the baseball season where I did sixty pre and post game shows from my house. I I mean, don't get me wrong. I love hanging with Stu and Shooty and Bip. But I, it was nice. I huh? liked, <laughs> I liked being in board shorts in my little uh, home studio, and yeah. I could be in the pool like fifty, like show ends. You know, see you tomorrow. You know, A's win five two. I could be in the pool fifteen minutes after I turn off all the lights. It was great. Yeah, two things. Yes, Dave Stewart's coming on at two thirty because Stu's here. Oh, is he coming by? Uh, yep, there. Just talk to him. Uh, Sharks news. Uh, Aaron Dell back to the Barracuda. Yeah, the oh. goalie acquired in the Brent Burns deal called up. Really? There you go. There's your Sharks update. Wow, that must mean James Reimer's more injured than we thought again. Sharks pregame live tomorrow at what, uh, what time? I don't like this because Cody's tell. I'm here now distracted. Cody's telling me Sharks news. Well, because right now you're baseball Brody. Yeah, I know. There's I baseball know. Brody. There's hockey Brody. Hat. I'm Howard Terminal Brazil right now. Uh, and there's stadium Brody. I don't know. I, honestly, like going back to – what I'm doing here, sure. We talked to I talked to Cox yesterday a bunch. Going to talk I talked to David yesterday. Going to do another thing with him today. Um, but I, as for the as for our team this year, our baseball team, I think it's pretty well. Like we can see. What, what are the questions here? Does Murph get traded or not? Is Loriano around? How long or not? Whatever. A couple injuries, but like, our, we're pretty set, right? Well, Are we, we pretty set? We asked David yesterday. We said, tell me how you get better at these meetings. Yeah, right. What's going on? And he told us that there's multiple contracts 
that offers that are out to free agents. So, we're, I mean, everybody's sitting here, yeah, we're talking Aaron Judge, we're talking Turner, we're talking Correa, we're talking – but there's a lot of guys out there looking for jobs. And as I mentioned, Brody, there's, a, there, there's like two ponds. There's this big pond with the big fish, <laughs> and then there's the pond, the smaller pond. Yeah. With the sweat, but there's good fish in there. Right. But it was closed last year because during the lockout, yeah. we weren't able to really fish to there. To do any of that, yeah. We're able to go back and fish in this pond again, and that's where we do our damage. Well, but what 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 are the Oakland A's here to, to get out of this? Minus maybe seeing what other teams would be interest, interested in. Like what what are we doing? We don't you, we don't have we don't have a lot. We don't you have could a be, lot on the agenda. You could be acquiring at the corners. Maybe could be another outfielder. Uh, Caprillion now is shoulder surgery. That, yeah. You're gonna yeah. maybe another starter. Yeah. Always bullpen. We we need more. We need more power arms in the bullpen. There's plenty of stuff that you could do. Acquisitions, you're saying, or are yeah. we or are, are, are we promoting from within? Oh no, acquiring. Yeah, in acquiring mode. Not we're not we're not we're not offering eleven years to anybody. <laughs> Which, by the way, after I couldn't believe Trey Turner got eleven. Years. I'm like I was asking everybody, where are you gonna be in eleven years? I mean that Can type that? that type of job security is eleven years. Tony, I've I've been working at NBC or whatever it's always been called. I think I'm coming up on fourteen, and that's I'm like, wow, this is you know I'm I'm, I'm proud of the number. And You're I, last of the Mohicans of the original crew, that right? Is, that is true, but fourteen is close to one of my point is like think about that deal for him. He is set for eleven years. To your point, what? What were we what were we doing eleven years ago? What year was that? God, I was four years old. Thank I you. I was Okay, yeah. I was scared. I was doing scary math. I was thirty nine. <laughs> I mean, that was a long, long time ago. My kids were still young. Yeah. I was married. I wasn't even married the first time then. Yeah, you were he, he was even in his first marriage, wow. let alone into his second. Two life two lifetimes ago. And then I asked him yesterday, I mean, eleven years from now, how many more marriages will he have? Do you think though? Like we're we're saying this from the side of we'll never, A's will never do this for anybody. Did you want them to do that though? Like, no. Let's say you could line up one of your, who, whoever your favorite was of the last ten years, and I'm talking about you. I, I love Chappie. I love Oli. I, I, Chris Bassett. Whatever. I just I wouldn't do it. No. I and that's something I've always I've always said on the post game show. Root for the name on the front, not in the back. And I know everybody wants the I want the jersey of my favorite player. I'm like. Would you want Miguel Cabrera? Think about this. He's now – I love it where he goes, well, I think this is time to end it. Well, after this year and I get 32 more million. <laughs> it's been seven bad years. Right, right. It's been right. seven bad years. I for, need to milk this one more time. I mean, do we really – it's kind of been a blessing that we haven't been forced to give one of these bad contracts yeah. because none of them have aged well. I mean, how much did the Rangers spend – spend last off season and then i think a couple series where we were playing them they were five wins ahead of oakland you know what i'm saying head to head 38 and i love back. i love you know marcus and seager and all that stuff but what you're looking at like you know you're looking at this the spending versus the results and it'll come for them i'm, I'm scared by the way of this division i know we are what we are but man this division is seattle I mean, you had They've a team. You had a team that just got to the playoffs for the first time in forever. You still have Trout and Otani down there. You've got the Texas teams, like. But that SOB Verlander's gone. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a good one. Gonna have to deal with him anymore. Just get out of the league, buddy. Get out of the league. So, 
Well, welcome to our little baseball geek world. Yeah. You, your first time involved in it, probably yeah. your last. Should I go stand around somewhere? I feel like. Go in the lobby and, act, and get on your phone and look around it's and act bro- like you're talking can, to can people. Can I be honest? It's a bro fest. It is the, it it is. Is the broest of Did bro Did you see the bar fest. last night? I walked past it yeah. and I was like, nope, not for me. That was, I commented to somebody that that was like a frat party. That was, it's yeah. it's. Every- oh, hey, Cody, did you see, I, I ran into John Boy. Uh, yeah. They're right down there. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I saw them numerous times last night. Yeah, we were talking about, we're, it's funny too, because like, like I said, you, you see so many people that you know or, or know of or whatever, you know, and uh, you just have that moment, you're like, oh my, it's so weird when you're not on a screen, you're right here, you know, but uh yeah, old media, new media. I mean, we were thanks, Raymond Green. We were hanging out with uh, Bruce Bo- Bruce Bochy was <laughs> the bar with us Green. last night. Yeah, I uh, I talked to I talked Dusty about Baker walked by a restaurant last night. We were at Lou and uh, Lou and Mickey's of Steakhouse over by Petco Park, and Dusty came walking by, waving to people. Nothing, I mean, it's no- everybody. If you're in baseball, you're here. Nothing beats when we ran into AJ Hinch though. A couple years ago. Oh, yeah. We are banging trash cans behind him. It was really oh, uncomfortable. It was oh. uncomfortable for him, not for us, but it was uncomfortable for him. He, got, he would literally get fired right after that. <laughs> we were at the end of A.J. Hinch's Astros oh. career, 2009. Oh, yeah. Cody was getting drunk with uh, David Ross in the, in the bar in 2019. Rossi became our good friend. It's amazing who you run into when you're here. You know, if something happened to this hotel – I mean, I don't want to say bad things, but, like, what would baseball do? How would baseball Baseball go? coverage would be a- over. Anybody who covers ba- – I feel like anybody who covers baseball is yeah. here right now. I, this the, is a high-security, high-profile security event, you know? In, in the baseball geek world, this is everybody's favorite event. They <laughs> like this better than the World Series, the so All-Star Game. Can I just tell you, though, that that's kind of why I I don't like it. Yeah, it's not, it's not really for you. It seems like there's just so much – uh, poli- not politicking, but like glad handing and like uh, well, I want people are searching for jobs. Jobs, I yeah. know. I, I, I kind of sense that. And you know what this is like. This is what it's like. Have you ever covered a Final Four? No, uh, no. Okay, no. this is what the this is exactly what you're seeing here is the exact same thing as the Final Four without the games. Because <laughs> at the Final Four, that's what an a, event! That's like their convention. Everybody at the Final Four, all coaches are trying to get jobs, and you're trying to get into the industry, and you're trying to. Yeah, that's what this is. And I like it's the a job. I fair. respect the hustle. I really do. But I don't know. And maybe I just passed. I don't know. Maybe my younger years, I would have been part of it. Well, you've been working for the same company for 14 years, I, so you don't, I don't know. Well, there, I, the rest of us got to move around. Nowadays, no. I'm just saying. Nowadays, there's a better way to maybe like not, you know cold drop in on somebody's conversation like me and you were talking and then all of a sudden i've because i saw this somebody walks right in hi i'm so and so nice to meet you i want to hit here's my card here's my my demo reel on a usb drive here's what it's like whoa like i don't know wait that happened to us today some uh, young really college, was, he wasn't in college i think he was out of college he came up to rain trying I, to get a job for ace cast uh, he yeah essentially hey. he was trying to get it, how to get into industry and work for us if i if i'm if Did i'm he even looking know for what ace cast was <laughs> I don't think so, but he, I think he wanted the job in pro sports. And he saw us. He goes, he did a seminar or something yesterday, and they, they talked about how we were here. Ace Cast was here. They mentioned us by name. So he came up to look for us. We've actually become like the, the, the darling of the you industry. you got the number one baseball podcast, right? So. And a lot of people in the Bay, you know what's funny? It's like when we're here, everybody, like we walk through the lobby, people know who we are. Back home in the Bay Area, there's a lot of people who have no, they're just, you know, they don't get it. Like in in our in the in the baseball world, we're kind of like the hot hot new thing. 
hey, keep plugging away. You're ahead of your time. That, you know what it is? You're ahead of your time. One keep keep one my name and keep my resume. You have my resume still, right, Cody? Yeah, it's around. Okay. Um, John, yeah, it's I, around. I, I think I could talk to my boss. He might know who you are. <laughs> yeah, there, you guys wanted the Aaron Judge update from John Heyman? Is he okay. here? Is he not coming now? Is he here? Giants are in with a big offer to Judge, believed to be $360 million neighborhood, but the assumption belief among rivals is that the Yankees remain the favorites. Yankees are hopeful, but say they still don't know. Is he, did he tweet that from down the hall? Where I is, think so. I mean, this is 1054. This is literally right now. Ken did that? Uh, this was John Heyman. Oh, John. He also reported that Trey Johnny. Turner's deal was 342. Where the are Padres you, Johnny? Took, what? The Padres offered Turner 342. Where are they getting this money? I know. How is it possible? I know. I saw that earlier. I, I heard you guys talking about that, too. All right. Let, let me – Let me. The, the thing here, you, you asked earlier. Yeah, Judge going to the Giants would be a awful nightmare for us. It sucks that we have to look at it that way. I, I couldn't – honestly, I couldn't care less. It I would take I, all the coverage. He's not going – is he alone? Let's say they get him. What's going to happen there? They're going to sell a bunch of judge hats. They're going to have a judge's chamber thing somewhere in left center. Oh, I, I don't they'll know, have a giraffe They're, hat, a panda they'll, hat. They, will, they oh. will market the oh. living you-know-what out of it. And then are they going to win the West this year? No. Are they, they have a good team to put around them? No. I mean, they still have Buster, right? No. Brandon Belt's good to go next year, right? No, Marvin Bernard's not walking through that Marvin. door. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> All right, and even if Rich really is his best friend, who Richie's great. I feel like Rich. Collie, Rich could still do it. He's got soft hands, you know. Colleague at uh, NBC. Um, yeah, I, I just I love Richie, but and that see, it just goes to show we cross boundaries here. Talked to Bruce Bochy last night. I love Tim Flannery. Uh, a lot of the Giants people that I've met firsthand over the years, great, great people. But as for but I hate as him. for as for I hate him. the aura that surrounds them and this, going back to the judge thing, like this would be this. I feel like the finger would somehow be pointed back at us. I say us like like we're on the team or something, but you know. Yeah, we're the ones that cover. No, there's no oh, there's no question. You guys don't do that. Well, yeah, you, yeah, we'll never have and, then and all never the, will. And, and like all the coverage, especially like where you work, because I do A's. <laughs> Where you work would all be even – it's even more – even more Giants-centric would be even crazier. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> I'll say it for you. Thank you for saying that. I'm just the backup. Chris Townsend, cares. Chris Townsend just said that. <laughs> I am just sitting here. They expect me to say Oh, wait. You, they can see me. Well, I, I don't think they're ever going to call me to do Giants pregame live. That's you know what? That's why even me being here, if if something happens on Wednesday with Judge and I'm the only one here, they'll be like, you know what? We'll figure something else out. Don't you stay away from it. Uh, yeah, no, I, I I just I know that's the biggest deal here. You know what? It's crazy that like Sean Murphy literally is the second biggest deal here. Well, right now all the He's, all I the keep early at news Twitter. today is Sean Murphy. I keep looking at Twitter and there's two things trending: uh, Judge, the Padres earlier, and look there it is. Well, Soto is trending. Um, okay, Jeter's trending, but there it is, Sean Jeter's Murphy, right trending? there. Yeah, this, this, this is the world. What, what's he trending for? That's the new thing in our world. What's he trending well, for? So over <laughs> it. Uh, thank you for stopping Absolutely. by. Absolutely. Good luck. Good luck on. Uh, good luck on 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 your uh, exclusive with Rob Manfred. We can't wait to watch it on your YouTube I got channel. Sh- I, got, I got shut down. Hey, wait, is he having a press conference? He was supposed to be doing something right in here. So if you hang around, you might get him right now. Just tackle him. Oh, that's be what great. I was. No, I was gonna go ambush him. Like it'd be great right now. 
All right. Well, I'm going to go do that. All right. So that's going to do it for live from the winter meetings. I hope everybody enjoyed the coverage. We had a great time. Hopefully you had a great time watching. We'll be back on Monday on A's Cast Live to break down all the signings and, and hopefully break down the new signings in Major League Baseball. Take care, everybody. And that's it from San Diego. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 